One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana The host asked me if I had a nickname Said my friends called me the Dirtbag King She said on the air I started giggling Hasn't had me back but now I've got this podcast Welcome to my podcast Hey folks, welcome to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. This is your host, Charles Ellsworth, and I'm stoked to have you here this week. We've got a great episode for you. We've got my friend Carl M. Banks on the podcast. Carl is the best, one of my favorite new songwriters. Well, not new. I We met him on tour. New to me. He's new to me. He and I played together in Cleveland on tour last fall. It, we ended up just on the same show, but he lives here in New York City, and so right away fell in love with his set, with his music, and his jokes, and his stories. He's just great storyteller, great songwriter, and I'm very excited for you all to listen to the conversation he and I had. I think it was a lot of fun. We go kind of all over the place, and uh, it's very entertaining, and he's got a lot of really cool things to say about being a performer and about being a musician and you know what what it's like in the struggle these days really excited for you guys to hear this episode with carl m banks before we do i got some quick business i'm heading out on tour with the band me and the space force deserters getting weird on a stage near you come check us out april 9th we're in cleveland at coda in tremont april 10th we're in cincinnati at southgate house revival april 11th chicago matra saloon the 12th new Ulm, minnesota at mona lena the 13th laramie wyoming roughed up duck the 14th, Denver, Colorado at East Fax Tap. The 15th, Provo, Utah at ABGs with my friends Vincent Draper and the Coles. The 16th, we're in Salt Lake City, Utah at the Garage on Beck with my friend Jocelyn Paulette. And the 17th, we're in Salt Lake City again at Quarters DLC with Vincent Draper and the Coles again. All three of those shows are going to be fucking killer, so you should be there if you live in Utah. Moving on. The 18th, we're in Pacifica, California at Winter's Tavern. The 19th, we're in Los Angeles, House Show, North Hollywood. Hit me up for details. The 20th, 420, Stoner's Holiday. We're in San Diego, California, or Escondido, whichever you prefer. Jacked Up Brewing with our friends Roger. Going to be great. The 22nd, Sholo, Arizona, also a house show. Hit me up for details. The 23rd, Miami, Arizona, Miami Artworks. The 24th, we're in Tucson, Arizona at Shays Lounge. Also going to be great. I've wanted to go to Shays for years now, and we're finally making it happen. So come out, Tucson. Tulsa, Mercury Lounge on the 26th, and then possibly a late show at the Rabbit Hole, but we're figuring that out. 28th, we're in Memphis at Murphy's. The 29th, we're in Madison, Indiana at Off-Broadway Tap Room. And the 30th, we're in Chattanooga, Chattanooga Choo Choo. We're going to play at Cherry Street Tavern, which I went to a show there on this last tour, and it was awesome, so we're stoked to play there. So come hang out with us. So yeah, please come catch us on tour. Also, while you're at it, while I've got you, please check out my music on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to music. My name's Charles Ellsworth, if you don't know. It'd be great for you to listen, and if anything on there you catches your fancy or you like it, please add my songs to your playlist, tell your friends about it. It makes a big difference for me. Same with this show. Please just share it with your friends. The more people we have listening to this show, the more it makes it possible for me to keep doing the show and a lot of people seem to like the show i enjoy doing it so let's get more people in our dirtbag family so we can take over the world cover the earth with dirtbags probably better than fucking fascist bullshit that's going on everywhere these days but i digress uh anyways last but not least the sponsor of this show as usual is my patreon go to patreon.com forward slash charles ellsworth to find out how you can support the show for as little as three dollars a month all the way up to a hundred dollars a month your money goes directly to supporting the show, supporting my music, and helping me create more things. I release 
a podcast episode every other week. And then in the interim weeks, I release a YouTube video. I'm trying to do that every week this year. I'm falling behind. This episode I'm recording this intro for right now comes out tomorrow. So wish me luck. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great. I love you all so much for listening. I'm excited for you all to hear this episode with my friend Carl M. Banks. He's the best. Listen to this episode, then go check out his music and check him out on tour. He's got tour dates. Find him on Instagram, Carl M. Banks. And also he's playing at Rockwood Music Hall on 420 here in New York City. And you don't want to miss it. Carl is a great songwriter, great storyteller, and just a rad human being. If you don't believe me, keep listening because you're going to hear the conversation that he and I had. And you're going to be like, wow, that Carl guy seems chill as fuck and chill is fucking crazy or something like that i don't know what you're gonna think i don't really care that much other than i hope you like it and that you like me and don't like i hope that you like me and that you don't don't not like me language is weird i'm tired this is like take 15 of this shit so let's get to the episode i love you all so much thanks for listening out of the um 3100 which is that long ass um it's a race that happens out in queens the longest foot race oh yeah you mentioned that before uh yeah. The 3,100, that's a, that's a, a lot of race. miles. <laughs> yeah, that's 3,100 miles. Yeah, around a uh, middle school. Damn, the, the just like in circles. Yeah. Around a block over yep. and over again. Totally. Yeah, it would it's, be. If you ever go to a, like an ultra marathon event, it's hilarious because they're like, here comes what, whatever the person's name is, you know, they're absolute stud. And <laughs> you see this person come hobbling by, like face sunken in and who like they're you know 1500 miles in and you're like i mean it's an amazing physical feat but it's like they don't look like they don't look like a basketball player like, they're not doing like I mean? tiktok dances on the no, not like the midfield thing like the nfl players nope not yeah at all. it's they're, they're definitely like less of a showmanship by. type thing yeah totally but <laughs> it's just so it's like a spiritual totally event you know well, my buddy dakota who uh was on this podcast before and he's an ultra marathon runner. He's he's like what it's just funny talking to him about like how like some of those events will be like yeah, these are like world class premier athletes in this sport and nobody gives a shit. You know <laughs> yeah, what I totally. mean? And it's like like in like the overall scale of right. like American society or you know what totally. but it's like to like this niche thing uh-huh. everyone's like that like I was at a running store in Nashville because my buddy that was like on the road with me wanted to start running with me, so we were like getting him some shoes. Right on. And uh, uh, I was talking about like Dakota, and I was like, "Oh, he's sponsored by Solomon. Like he's got mm-hmm. those. Those are the shoes I think that he wears while he runs." And then like the store owners like Dakota Jones. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "That dude's a beast. Like that That's dude's. So you know what I mean?" And uh-huh. I'm just like. It just only that dude in Nashville and maybe like six other people in Nashville <laughs> right. know who Dakota is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Sponsorship is weird, though. It's like, well, I don't know. I've been learning a lot about pedestrianism, which is like you, you talk about like famous athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the late uh, 18th century and 19th century, pedestrianism was huge. And it was like the act, act of walking. And the kind of the most famous athletes of the time were these walkers. This really? guy, uh, Payson Weston, was kind of like the main guy. And, the, and it was all based on a wager. It wasn't like a race who can go the fastest. Occasionally it would be head-to-head, but mostly it was like, I can make it to this city and back X amount of days. And then they would raise money and make a wager. And then people would bet against them. 
and uh, that's how was, they were like funded. I mean, they were they were always you know dirtbags. They were always like poor and like yeah, totally you know, scoundrels. But then it like went on and it became a big thing, and they would rent out like skating rinks in New York, and people would run try to do the big thing was like six day races and they would try to rack up, rack up like 500 miles or something in really? six days yeah and it was like betting it was like the main thing but it was like also, turn of the century uh-huh wow. and they're like drinking and fucking sm- like the one guy there was no ventilation and everybody's like smoking cigars and drinking and getting wasted and betting and you know and all that and he's like fucking running in circles around this thing <laughs> oh and they like God. whipped it. yeah yeah it's it brutal like really brutal time in general but, yeah, definitely. Where like like children are dying in factories by like the dozens <laughs> right, on totally. like a weekly basis. Uh-huh. Yep, exactly. Yeah, like next door to the skate skating rink, you know. Yeah, just over in fucking Queens or like Manhattan. Right. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy that that time of the century, well, or like that time of history is like I see so many parallels in a lot of ways to like what's going on now and just like yeah, yeah. just a hundred years later and mm-hmm. you know like the wealth disparity and like it seems like the our government has no control over corporate greed whatsoever right. and it wasn't like back then it was the same problem yeah. you know robber barons and right exactly. you know and like fucking rockefeller and like yeah it's inability of the government to do anything anything like well and like what sucks really like even like i, I get so frustrated with someone like nancy pelosi you know and like we're sp- supposed to be on the same team right. but we're Far not even it, yeah. like but we're not even playing the same fucking sport know, you know exactly. what i mean it's just like and she and the thing is is like she in her head thinks she's the good guy. Right. And it's like, that so makes me... Even, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, totally. Like the, yeah. It's like, that doesn't make you right, <laughs> you yeah, know? Totally. And no, and it's... Oh, man, I, I think they should not let politicians be older than like 55 years old. Yeah. You I know? mean, that's... Or maybe retirement age, 65. Yeah. Know? I mean, that's fair. But uh, there is maybe some wisdom to being uh, advanced in years, you know? And anytime you set age limits on quick. things, you are limiting a per- perspective. But... Totally. I totally get what you mean. Or, you know, like an IQ test. or, or you know, <laughs> so, I don't know. Even that's an, a little too much. An for empathy the... test. You know, like maybe <laughs> yeah. Trump wouldn't have been yeah. president if you could. I don't know. But it's like, yeah, whatever. I'm not. You and I aren't going to change things. <laughs> We're just going to write songs about it, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Which uh, this is a good time to intro my friend Carl M. Banks here What's on up? a Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. Finally made it. Yeah, I'm so fucking stoked to have you here. And well, it's. You're saving my ass too because I got to have this up by Thursday. So, oh, perfect. <laughs> so, and it's currently Monday. Yeah. So, I'm pushing it close to the wire, but I just had like a couple weeks of. Let me adjust my microphone. You're really busy. Yeah, just busy with shows. And then um, I got some freelance work that, you know, really filled up last week. But uh, the deadline is, you know, everybody's best friend. You got to get totally. it. Totally. Yeah. When I, um, you know, leaving on tour on Friday or a week from Friday. And uh, so it's the first time ever that I've been like not working every single day until tour and just like, and then like yeah, you yeah. just leave that morning. You're like, hope I didn't forget underwear, you know? <laughs> right. And, and like this time I actually have like two weeks almost to prep to prep and like just put everything together and i'm like how much it, is that of that is rehearsal because n- not enough should be a lot not next. enough because <laughs> my guys are like in and out of town which is right uh unfortunate unfortunate but like we we, we you know how day three of tour you're tighter than you're gonna be totally. even if you practice every day for two months you i know? know i know it's a lot it's a lot like athleticism and stuff where you're like it's like the fall off is so quick but when you're doing it all the time especially when you're forced to do it via gigs and stuff mm-hmm. you just get so tight and it's so fun to like let loose on it you know 
Yeah, it's really fun. Like this is, I don't know. This is my. You saw me play with these guys, and and like this next tour, I'm like just so excited because um, going from you know, the last one was seven and a half weeks long, and like we'd never been on the road together, and it's just all these variables. And now this time around, it's like half that much time, and I don't know. I just feel like I have my head on right, and I know what to expect from them. They know what to expect. I know what I need to improve upon. Mm-hmm. It's like. Other than a few little things like gas prices and shit like that, I'm very excited about this tour. So yeah, um, round round two sounds like it's gonna be the best. Yeah. So I don't know when the Grateful Dead went to the Europe the second time after like whatever seventy three or seventy four, they had a terrible time when they had like a magical time in seventy two and they made this iconic live album. You know, mm-hmm. they went back a couple of years later and everything was different. You know, everybody was, had grown up and. Yeah. It's like band was kind of falling apart. So, oh damn! So you're a pretty big Grateful Dead fan. Um, yeah, I think so now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I could say that. I didn't. Not always, you know. Same. I kind of just started a few years ago yeah. being like kind of appreciating it. I always, you know, I play my dad. I learned guitar from my dad, and so mm-hmm. I play a lot. Our repertoire kind of overlaps, you know. Yeah. And he played Friend of the Devil, so I learned that, and oh, I always cool. played it, and. And Doug the Dead, you know, and like I remember my senior year of high school, we had to like vote on a quote for the class or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember I was like the obligatory "What a long, strange trip it be- it's been" was uh-huh. like my submission, you know. Yeah, didn't win, but yeah, um, fuckers, <laughs> I know. Yeah, but it's high I'm school. over it. They all fucking suck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you totally. know, even the people I liked at high school. If I was like, if I met them now, if I met seventeen year old them oh, right. now, I'd yeah, be like, yeah. "You're a dumb fucking kid." Right. Totally. You know, like shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> well. Hopefully, yeah, again, as you age, hopefully you fucking learn some things. Yeah, hopefully. But I was working this uh, film festival, True False. Um, I've been doing audio at it for years, and mm-hmm. uh, I was running audio for... They have bands that play before the films. Oh, and cool. so I do audio for the bands. Is this and then, in Queens or Manhattan? No, this is uh, in uh, Columbia, Missouri. Oh, yeah, yeah, where you're from. We'll get yeah. We'll get back to that. Right. <laughs> I'm not from Columbia. I'm from St. Louis, Oh, um, but bad. Columbia is like where the school, the school is, uh, the MU is there and, uh, my sister lives there. My mm-hmm. brother went to school there, so I have a connection cool. with it, but enough from that. Anyway, um, I got to wor- like do sound during this Grateful Dead movie, that do- documentary that came out on Amazon a couple years ago. Oh, okay. The Long Strange Trip one. Yeah. Um, if things want to make it into like Oscar contention and stuff, they have to have a festival run, even if they're going to be dropped, if they're going to be dropped episodic or whatever, whatever, you know, then it's kind of TV or whatever. But, um, if they can get into a festival and play it as one thing. So it was like this four and a half hour grateful dead documentary. And I'm like sitting behind this soundboard. It was just like, it was like, holy shit. I, I just got it. it. You know what I mean? Of acid. (laughs) No, but a weed cookie for sure. There you go. My a friend, uh, yeah, one of the other audio techs like brought some. He's like, "You want a cookie?" And so that certainly enhanced it, you know. Oh, totally. But I didn't know their whole story, you know. I just knew the some of the songs and stuff, and and then it just like just clicked off. for you. Yeah. And I I don't really know their whole story at all either. I remember hearing Ryan Adams talk about like his experience with Warfrat, that mm. song while tripping on acid, and I, you know. Was a if am was a big Ryan Adams fan. I know that's he's he been there's some controversy around that that yeah. person, uh, you know, and I justified in some ways. Uh, you know, like totally, I don't, I don't sure. I'm not the judge or anything, but right. I, I definitely think it's justified. But 
the he that was what I was like, oh, Warfrat. That's because I was always just kind of looking for that in into uh-huh. the dead, right? And uh, yeah, so one time I was coming down from an acid trip, and I have had my studio headphones, and I'm like falling asleep in the room, like two down. That's where uh-huh. I used to live, or where I, I used <laughs> you upgraded to. to. Yeah, I did upgrade. <laughs> Won the Game of Thrones as people like yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, the um, yeah, and I was just like laid there as I was falling asleep and put on Warfrat to start as I'm coming down from acid mm-hmm. with my eyes closed, and then it just kind of like turned into like two or three hours of just like the grateful dead as I'm tripping and like not going to fall asleep. But I always do that when I'm coming down. I'm always like, oh, I'm going to go like pass out. I'm pretty tired, but I fully know it's like, no, I'm going to go put on some music and like try and see some weird shit while I fall asleep. (laughs) Totally. Uh, One of the, one of the joys of doing. Yeah, totally. And also just being like, I'm just drained. Like with the social side to laughing with everyone. It's like, I mean, acid's my favorite thing possibly in the world. They're like one of my favorite (laughs) things. You know, like I just, I mean, it's just such a, it's so fun, you know, but like also it's, it kicks your ass. Totally. And and I'm kind of an introvert. Especially when it starts, you're like, fuck. How long is it going to take? That anxiety, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. As, like as soon as you feel it start to hit you, you feel that like weird like weight in your lower <laughs> in your, back. And yeah, you're in like, your spine. Oh, man. <laughs> Fuck, what, am I, what did I just sign up for? Uh-huh. But let's take it back a bit. This is okay. already yeah. off to a great start. <laughs> I love it. Um, this is the... 20-minute in- intro? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I have like a six-minute one beforehand where I talk about whatever. Right. Um, but uh, so, yeah, let's... So you grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, uh, I grew up in Peavley, Missouri. Peavley. But if I told people that, they wouldn't really know. People don't even know what Missouri is on the East Coast. Yeah. They're like, is that where they make cars? Yeah. <laughs> Michigan. I'm going to say Minnesota. You're thinking of Michigan, but it's close. They do make some cars in Missouri, too. But yeah, um, great music city. Like, a ton of musicians come from there. Mm-hmm. You know, Scott Joplin and Miles Davis, Chuck Berry. But um, like a long time blues and, and jazz uh, scene from for sure. Louis, right? For sure. Yeah. yeah, there's this like little trio of used to be a trio. One of them just closed uh, of like jazz of blues clubs downtown. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's kind of like the oyster bar, Broadway oyster bars where I used to play and play sometimes when I go into town. And then there's BB's jazz blues and soups. And then across Beale on Broadway. And that's closed. But um, it's just this little triangle of like great blues music, you mm-hmm. know. Oyster Bar is kind of more Korea. It's like a Louisiana theme, you know? Cool. So it's like a little more jazzy and also jam bandy. And the other ones are kind of blues and stuff. And um, yeah, huge blues city. But every once in a while, like the crowds like end up in the street with like knife fights. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Blues well, for sure. The, the, the jazz. No, I'm just, I'm just the different like clubs a, fighting like a brawl, each other. Yeah, a brawl between <laughs> the are, different clubs. It's funny. No, there are definitely knife fights, but it's not between the two clubs. It's okay. just the nature of St. Louis's uh, yeah. city. But, I, you know, so every, everywhere is, you know, it's like. Yeah, go down the wrong nightclubs. alley in Sin yeah. City, you'll find. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, like, you know, St. Louis is, you know, a very segregated city, and, like, there was a ton of, like, white flight out of the. And, also the development of like interstates and stuff, you know, how that like mm-hmm. hurts uh, urban centers and stuff. Totally. And so that's kind of what happened to St. Louis. They built these interstates through, then they built like a, uh, a stadium, a baseball stadium, and mm-hmm. that was going to revitalize and they built the arch and all that shit, you know, but it never really like, there's nothing really downtown. There's some people live there, but mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, it's a, uh, there's plenty of um, wrong alleys to walk, to walk down. What's the city museum. Yeah, totally. I went there once. And yeah, was City Museum like, is great. 
I was just like, speaking of acid, I'm like, if this place <laughs> yeah, wasn't totally. filled with school children, <laughs> I would want to do so much acid here. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I spent my 21st birthday there, and there's a little bar there, and we went there, and uh, they let us just, if you don't, it's like a whole city block of just, it's a like a jungle gym of just like slides and ropes and whatever. And just like a sculptures helicopter. that you can climb on, and uh-huh. it's just, yeah, it's really cool. And I mean, some of it just seems kind of like, I don't know if this seems safe, but people are doing it every <laughs> single day, like right, lots totally. of people. So, yeah. yeah, and the guy that put that together, I forget his name, but he passed away um, probably 10 years ago or something like that. But he had hung an effigy of one of the um, attorneys in town, Brown and Crouppen or whatever it is, you know, like the uh, injury attorneys. I guess he was getting sued so much from this particular attorney. They were trying to close it down. Really? And he like hung him in like a whatever, locks or whatever the... A prisoner sits in, you know. Yeah, just kind of, you know, a little drastic, it's, but uh, uh, I mean, it takes a certain type of person to like build something like. Yeah, like totally. that. wasn't he working on some sort of cement world. I don't know. Maybe oh, I had heard. Some, sorry, <laughs> this is kind of getting really off topic. Uh, now I'm but just yeah, like I'm trying to Louis. chat with Carl. <laughs> so it's what's the town that you're from? Is it like a suburb or? Yeah, it's like a rural suburb. It's okay. probably like thirty miles from you know downtown, but it's. St. Louis is like very sprawling. Okay. You know? Yeah. And there's every there's tons of little cities all around it. And then um and then I went to school in this town called Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which is like you know, two hours south on the uh, Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. And it's like where Rush Limbaugh is from. Oh it's a really? very conservative uh the university's relatively left of center, but the Rush town Limbaugh B I H. Yeah. In Vernon Hill. So, uh, what'd you say? People say rest in peace. I say B.I.A. <laughs> burning B- hell. Yeah, burning hell. That guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, what a, what a piece of shit. Yeah. But, um, and his family's huge in that, his, I think it, I don't know, whatever, the Limbaugh family, you see shit all around. But that town was, uh, like the, the Blues Highways, Highway 61 goes up, follows the Mississippi River to Chicago. Uh-huh. And that's what everybody drove on and 61 revisited. It was New Orleans to Chicago. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And that went through Cape Girardeau. So that that was Ooh. a blues town too. And so that's where I started playing music. And uh, Was in college? You, you started playing music? I mean, I always played, uh, mm-hmm. to be honest, but because my dad played and stuff. But that's where I started. Take me back to like growing up, like early on, were you, uh, like when did you pick up guitar? Was it just something that you kind of absorbed through proximity? Yeah. In kind of, ways? yeah. I mean, I think I sat down to play a couple times, like maybe take lessons with my dad and didn't really work out. You know, I didn't stick with it. And then I would kind of strum on them. They were always around. Mm-hmm. And then I started playing like tuba and then I got a bass guitar and then started playing six string guitar kind of all at the same time. Cool. How, what age was that? 13, 13 something like cool. that. Yeah. That's about you know, I've been started. messing around before that for sure. Totally. But then that's... And like any musical, any craft, as soon as you start to see the progress, it becomes incredibly fun to just like keep going, you know? Yeah, definitely. And so, especially if you can have that patience to like keep going once you plateau. That that was the thing I always had trouble with as I was younger. Mm -hmm. And now I use it as like an opportunity to like hone other things or like, like focus in on certain things. But like when you're young, it's just like things can seem so boring. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, totally. you know, or so you just like, oh, tricks. I can't get better at this. Yeah. Like, and you are skateboard. getting better. That's the thing you don't realize you are. Yeah, and you have to take time, and then you look. Okay, three months ago I couldn't do this. Now I'm doing it with ease, and it's that's the hardest thing to teach somebody. Yeah, you know, when you're giving lessons. Did like, you you 
seem pretty athletic. You you run, you do a lot of stuff. Did you grow up playing sports? Yeah. What yeah, sports totally. were you? Were they like team sports, more individual type stuff? Uh, team sports. <laughs> I, I loved basketball. I wanted to be a good basketball player, and I suck at basketball. Oh, no. I wanted to be a pitcher. And like the day came when they were going like, to pick who was going to be the pitcher. I've been practicing all spring. I set up like a, a wash tub to th- so I could like as a strike zone. I had a tire you know? hanging from a right. branch. Exactly. Yeah. Measured it out and practiced maybe twice, but it seemed like daily, you know. And then they brought the gun, like the speed, going to check the speed of your pitch. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to fucking let this thing rip. And I did. And it just like went way over the catcher's head. And uh, they were like, nope, not a pitcher. So uh, oh. that was my baseball career. <laughs> but no, and then I, I love soccer. I played a lot of soccer. And then when I got into high school, I played football. Okay. And that was fun. What position were you? An offensive guard and a Same. defensive end, yeah. Same, both <laughs> both ways. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And I was the long snapper. Oh, dope! <laughs> like my it. coach tried to turn me into a long snapper, like gave me some shots at it, and I was just like, didn't I, work out. I just wasn't like, I wasn't really good at it from the start, and I uh-huh. wasn't gonna put in the work it took to like figure it out. Yeah, yeah, like at a certain point, I was playing football because there wasn't a whole lot to do in my town, and my mm-hmm. best friend played, so it was just like, and we both played the same positions on offense and defense, so it's we're, like, oh, we're just going to hang out for like three hours after school every right. day and like Run into and hit people? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, 15, 16, 17-year-old me, yeah, of course. It's either that or I'm going to like get into trouble and like yeah. and get stuck on the mountain sort of like where I'm from and like end up I mean, not to be like... Is yeah. that like a term, stuck on the mountain? Yeah, I mean, I'm from... We call it the mountain, you know, uh-huh. like because it's like up, you know, up in the northeast part of Arizona. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like kind of like a, you're a townie, you know. You're gotcha. like, you know, I say after 18, there's not really a whole lot for anyone there besides like like having kids or like getting addicted to drugs like oh. and like heavy drugs, right. you know. So... But then a lot of my friends like moved away, did college, did some things, you know, and then went back to raise a family. Uh-huh. And I'm like, whatever. That's acceptable. <laughs> I mean, I, guess, I don't know. I guess it's like I, I sound like such a prick right Return now. But to the like, mountain. <laughs> but when I was 17, I was just like, give me the no, fuck I get, out dude, of here. Dude, I was here. the same way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You got to make the move. Yeah. We'll hold for... I love it. Loud music. I hope I don't have to pay royalties for this. <laughs> you get fucking shut down My because podcast of it. is costing me more money than it's making. Guess well, what? Like Doesn't every make any fucking, money. Yeah, creative project is like that. <laughs> um, coming to you live from Bedford Stuyvesant, New York. Uh, One right of the most beautiful to- blocks. I'm, I have to say, Madison. Oh, this is I love where I live, but also my door or my wall is next to Marcus Garvey Boulevard, which is like one of the craziest streets in Bedstuy. Right, so. totally. Um, but yeah, there's some context for you listeners. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I interrupted you with the just like so you played played sports. Yeah, I was into sports. Football. You could like I was a relatively small school, so um, mm-hmm. you could do sports. And band, if they if you did one or the other, they would not be either. <laughs> you know, there could only be one because there was everybody did everything. Oh, cool. You know, yeah. and so I was in band. I played the tuba and the sousaphone. And like I remember my freshman year, they didn't have a they only had one sousaphone. It was mostly concert band, but we would like march for homecoming and the Christmas parade or whatever. Mm-hmm. Our band teacher hated marching, but we'd do it like we'd do it one it's week. So funny because so many band teachers like that's like their love pride it. and joy. Yeah, I, totally. I love the just contrast of that. Right, and it's an art form, and 
you know what I mean? Like, totally. I could understand why people like it. And it's, and it's uh, spectacular to watch, you know? Yeah. But, um, but he, he was like a jazz drummer. No, he, like, <laughs> <laughs> and so we only had one sousaphone. So my freshman year, um, I couldn't play tuba for when we marched, so, but I got to play the bass drum, which was fucking awesome. And I got to like, just, you know, lock in the grove and, uh, I feel like that's all I would have been chasing ever since. It's just yeah. like locking in the groove, you know? Yeah, totally. That's, uh, that's totally legit. I remember, uh, the feeling I got when this dude, Kent, who taught me guitar lessons from like sixth to like eighth grade mm-hmm. sporadically. Um, he was just like this dude who like had lived in LA for a long time, ended up in our town. I don't know how. He taught me and all my friends guitar. Stuck in the like, mountain. Yeah, in the back of like a, there was like a, a furniture shop that also had like a little section of like instruments mm-hmm. and they would they'd sell like guitar strings and whatnot. Right. And he like in the back room of there, he'd do lessons. And I, when he found out I was into Led Zeppelin, he pretty much like would try and teach me a new Zeppelin song every mm-hmm. other week. But it would just turn into yeah it would just turn into him just like fucking playing zeppelin and me with this like fucking shit-eating grin on my face being like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen and like that feeling is like what What i've been chasing for like for 20 years now you know where yeah and like when my buddy john rauhaus played pedal steel on my last record Mm -hmm. cesarea Watching him in the studio, yeah, I yeah. had that same. Yeah, totally. He was just like, "Wait, what are the chord changes?" And I say it to him, and he's like, oh, "Okay." Yeah. And just and like he's been Nico Cases touring mm. pedal steel player for a long time, and he's oh, wow. he's just like, but just watching yeah. him, just that same. I was like, "Holy shit!" I feel like I'm 12 years old again. Watching yeah, totally. Kent like shred fucking <laughs> <Exactly>. fucking <laughs> Black Dog or something. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't get into that. I mean, they're never like one of my favorite bands. Like I dig them, and they're they're cool, but. I just missed Zeppelin, you know, I yeah. had a lot of love. And that was kind of like my, if I ever got requested that, that's what I would play. I yeah. can't, I mean, I played one Zeppelin song for my sister's wedding, uh, over the hills and far away, like a, like an acoustic rendition of it. Mm-hmm. But like, other than that, I've never tried to like, do you like playing weddings? I guess your sister's wedding is cool. Um, I've only played two weddings. No, I played a handful of weddings, I guess. Um, you know, there. It's hard because it's usually someone you care about asking you to be in the band, and like I, I usually have to kind of draw that distinction of like, after a few failed attempts or like weird situations, right. I have to be like, just so you know, am I a guest at this wedding or am I a vendor? Because like, it's a different thing, yeah, yeah. you know. And if I'm bringing my band and my gear and everything like that, I'm gonna have to treat it a different way. <laughs> yeah, because totally. like it's because it's really hard for me to compartmentalize those things. Right. You, you totally. know what I mean? Like, for sure. And that and those blurred lines are when it, people's feelings get hurt and and it's a know. big it's a big yeah. fucking day and I don't want to be the fucking cloud over that parade you know what I mean like the last thing in the world I want to do is like I didn't get into music so I could make like a few hundred bucks just to like be like part of the bad part of your wedding you know what I mean <laughs> right, like totally. uh, I don't know yeah like but some situations like the one I played my sister's wedding ended up being like a lot of fun right uh you know and it's you know yeah, just yeah. fucking partying with family and friends and whatnot totally totally um yeah this yeah zeppelin is it was weird how i discovered led zeppelin so yeah. it was like my first intro into like classic rock and like <laughs> yeah because i was like they raised on classic. like classic they're like you know when i think classic rock radio i think zeppelin and tom petty yeah, you know what I mean? Totally. And so that was like mostly my first introduction into that, that like non top 40 or like country mm-hmm. radio country, you know, gotcha. what, what was your first like artist that really kind of, that you latched onto you? Can you Man. remember? 
fuck yeah. I go through periods of like obsessing over certain artists, you know, and mm-hmm. it recently was the dead, although I'm, I'm still obsessed, but I'm like a little bit past that. <laughs> but, um, the Dave Matthews band. It, really? <laughs> yeah. When I was in high school, it, I just fucking loved it. It would just represented like, I loved jam band music. I loved improvised music. I was playing in j- bass and jazz band and shit, you know, and so I loved improvised music. It was like acoustic guitar, which I played and loved, you know, and mm-hmm. the drum beats were fucking incredible and weird makeup of it. And everybody older than me seemed to like it a lot, you know? Yeah, totally. And then I got his biography and I read it and I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. He went to a college town, got really popular there, toured, you know? Yeah. So off we go. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of a big inspiration for yeah. like going where you went to college and... Yeah, totally. Um... And he was fucking, I mean, he was the band. Like, everybody loved it. You know, that OAR was, like, around. I mean, they still are around. But they were, like, taking that place uh, in kind of, like, the whatever. The ether of, like, my fucking college town or whatever. And then I went and saw them. And OAR, they were good. And I got their CD. And then I listened to it. And I was like, oh, it's not (laughs) It's not good. Shit, you know. And uh, sometimes I kind of feel that way about Dave Matthews, too. But I, uh, I never had like that, that real, like that was one of those bands when I was growing up that would like come on the radio in my hometown. And I'm like, oh, this is one of the songs I like. Cause like uh-huh. we had like three radio stations, like right, classic right. rock country and like all the hits of the last blah, 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 you know? <laughs> and like that would every once in a while, you know, you'd get like, I mean, Tom Petty, you know, there was artists uh-huh. that I, but I didn't like really. I like loved music. I'd stay up late, like hit recording songs to tape. Like there was probably some Dave Matthews songs that I would record off the right. radio to tape. Uh-huh. But then by the time I got older and like into music and like had a persona around like punk rock and stuff like that, I was right. just like fuck Dave Matthews yeah, band, sure. fucking posers, <laughs> you know. And like, it's and if funny. I li- went back and listened to it now, and it's kind of how I always felt about jam bands because I didn't didn't really understand or appreciate it until I started like. One doing psychedelics in college, and two <laughs> like help. started getting comfortable enough with the um, with m- my musicianship to be able to like mm. try new weird things. Like yeah, for yeah. years, I called myself just I'm just a songwriter that happens to play guitar. Right. And then like 20 years into playing guitar, finally, and enough people encouraging me, being mm-hmm. like, "Dude, you're actually a pretty good guitarist. You should like." You right. should kind of be doing that more, you know? And I'm like, nah, I'm not a musician. Right. It's a way to limit yourself. You yeah. Know? No, totally. And put yourself in a box so you can be like, I'm this simple right. thing. And, you know, uh-huh. and I don't have to work on that or like reckon with the fact that I haven't taken the time to advance in that thing yet. Or 100%. Is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that's the thing about like getting back to ultra running. And I think why I enjoy it. And I guess, I'm not like some jock, so it feels weird to be talking about Dave Matthews in fucking high school football. Yeah, no, totally. But, uh, the, what, the, what I learned Anyone that listening age, knows that all I talk about is high school football. We <laughs> were state champions in 2004. Congratulations. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, but I did learn in that age that you could push yourself to do something, you know, that you didn't think you could do. That's the thing. And that... it's like put in the conditioning and you get better. And it's similar with music and with performance you know uh making what you do a show instead of just being a songwriter mm-hmm. and that's it you know yeah. which there's nothing wrong with being a, simply a songwriter too but um if you get in front of people and you want people to watch it 
um, should be like a performance, you know, God yeah. forbid. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And I, um, it's, I've, I feel like I've always been writing this weird line, you know, take it to like the high school football thing. And I learned so much from those coaches and that those situations of like, if you all like work really hard on this thing as a team, you can accomplish like great things. And to me, the only thing that ever like that I've ever thought I could maybe accomplish was a state championship, you know, and at like 17, I got that, you know, and it was like, you learned a lot because I grew up wanting to do that. Yeah. Totally. And, and, but then you're like, I've also always been writing this. This, be, this should be called the glory days. Glory days. Be, well, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> That's just like the, my roommates, like once a week, I'll be talking about something and they'll start <laughs> singing up. glory days. And I'm just like, fuck you. No, but like since then been writing that weird line of like, oh, like trying. There's that, that masculinity in simplicity or simp or like simplicity and masculinity. I don't know, like where you're like. I'm a part of me is trying to be this stoic, strong, tough guy. And it's like, and like, so I'm not gonna, gonna try and put on a show and I'm not very braggadocious and mm -hmm. cause I'm not cocky. And then, but then as I get older being like, no, those are things that a performer needs. Like, yeah. and so trying to find that balance and bring out that side of myself that I closed off so many years ago. Cause I thought that's what you did to be like a fuck a man when I was like 15, you know, right. like, uh -huh. So it's, I don't know, I find it interesting where I learned a lot of really good things from football, but also like obviously really toxic, <laughs> yeah, awful head shit, injuries, you know, yeah. like head injuries. Like there's a lot of people that I played with that I probably wouldn't have a whole lot of nice things to say to, or we, you know, not nice things to say, but like. You think they're listening? Let's yeah, call him out by yeah, name. No, I mean. Jim, fuck you, yeah. left tackle. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But like that I, there, a lot of them I'm still friends with. And then there's some that I just like probably wouldn't be able to like put up with oh, a conversation with for them, sure. you know, because it's probably still very much like dick jokes and a lot of misogyny and, and, uh -huh. and homophobia and, right. and stuff that I just don't put up with now. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but let's move, let's move on because like okay. high school football doesn't matter <laughs> it really it really doesn't matter i wish 17 year old me knew more of that um it's a, it's a good thing when you realize that you're not going to be able to fucking do it after high school because you're like filling out the form and you're like oh wow like i'm I, there's no way either of us could play offensive guard in you know what i mean on a, at a higher oh, level totally We're like small people you know and it's like so that's that's another lesson that comes with it like okay that's not for me you know mm -hmm. When since your dad was a musician, uh, like, did you, were you, did you always want to be a musician? Like, were you planning like I'm just gonna make yeah, a living so. playing guitar? Like, that's yeah, what totally. the plan is. Yeah, and kind of all along, you kind of knew that. I maybe like a carpenter for a while because mm -hmm. Jesus was a carpenter. Yeah. And, uh, were you my grow up pretty Christian or uh, Catholic? Yeah, oh, okay. I grew up, I went to Catholic school. It's and, the same thing. You believe in Christ, right? Yes, they're they are Christian, but yeah, it's like the, no, it's, it's like yeah, the OG just, Christian. Yeah, okay. it's we not any of the perverse forms that you might Christian, have out in Salt Lake City. We're the we're the real ones with the fucking swinging smoky shit. Okay, okay, <laughs> and I got to do that. Um, but no, I mean, I, I I never believed it was just all kind of bullshit. It was like Santa Claus, you know? Yeah, it's like you do good, otherwise you're gonna go to hell mm -hmm. and shit like that. So, um, oh, well, I forgot what the question was. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, my dad played. Oh, yeah, and, so, because, uh, like, I mean, I, I don't want to make this all about me, and I feel like I'm telling you so many <laughs> stories, cool. but my, and I've said this on the podcast before, that, like, nobody I knew growing up ever was a professional artist of any sort. Oh, right, okay. You know, was a, 
like I didn't know really, you know, this girl I dated for a little bit, her dad played in abandoned bars once in a while. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah, like, yeah. For my my pops, he would always say, "Music is my life, not my living." That was kind of his cool. Ethos on, yeah, you know, he had businesses and was involved in politics and stuff too. Um, the good guy, the left leaning good guys, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, Depending on which side you stand on, I guess. <laughs> yeah, fifty percent. But we're right. Um, but um, uh, but you could like I knew he did gigs and stuff, and so like I saw there was certainly I saw the path that you could take. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to college, uh, I remember somebody said something about open mic, and I was like, oh shit, I know what an open mic means. You can just go play. So I went down to this open mic at this place called Jeremiah's, and the um, the band that hosted it was called uh, the Tone Deaf All Stars, and they were in this music fraternity Phi Mu Alpha and the place was had probably like 25 people in there and and I got up and I fucking played whatever Sublime or something and it went over really well and I was like fuck yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm doing I'm this in. I'm, I'm in, in totally yeah. and they liked that I came down and I would bring all my underage college friends so that you know they were like 30 you know just out of school I guess the average demographic there and then yeah. we were like kind of young kids there at the time and um it was just super fun and I just like really caught the bug and then I opened up shows for them and other bands and then I eventually got my own gigs around town. So it was like my parents, I remember said when I started doing open mic, they were like, no, figure out how to get paid <clears throat> doing it, you know? Yeah. That's really cool that they were able to like kind of, I mean, yeah, I've uh, so much of my stuff was, I love my parents to death, but they didn't know shit about this, <laughs> you know, like they couldn't yeah. give me any advice other than like, do your best, you know, like right. I like that one song, yeah, you know, but also like, totally, I remember calling what are you going to do for money? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember calling my dad when I got the, oh, so I guess I'll, I'll tell you the story. Yeah, so the please. first get, real gig that I got was um, my friend called me up, Greg, who owns a bed and breakfast in Maine. I'm going to go up there and play in a couple weeks and uh he's like been around he's just been involved in like a a lot of really crucial moments in my life you know and he called me up and he was like uh he was working at this sushi place and he's like the simo was where i went to school the simo jazz band was supposed to play and they had to back out can you come play so i literally went to the music store in town they gave me a pa no credit card no no nothing just gave me a little uh pv passport PA thing, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like yours with the speakers go on top of the soundboard. And we went and I played this gig there and I was doing a lot of Jack Johnson at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, what these people that sat in the front row were surprised that I knew Jack Johnson because they had just lived in Hawaii and he's huge there. But we're in Missouri and they're like, how's this guy? He was pretty new. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is before um, the banana pancakes. Yeah, before that big record. But, you know, he was still I knew who he was. So yeah. he was popular. But I'm um, on LimeWare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And he had movies out. I loved his uh, Thicker Than Water. I had seen a DVD of that. Oh, it's like cool. a surf movie, and it's like you watch it. It's like it's like art film. You know, it's like really beautiful music and surfing and travel and stuff. Anyway, um, they like got a hold of me, and then I got a, a gig. <laughs> the Juice Club. My buddy Will was uh, going to be sound guy. I don't know. He was just like along for the ride. We have mm-hmm. a recording of that for of that first gig because he just took RCA outs into like a. A, a CD burner, like a freestanding CD burner. We burnt a CD of that thing, and he was just going to be sound guy or whatever. Uh-huh. He eventually started playing drums and then got his own band and stuff. But um, they called Will because he that's how they got a hold of me or whatever. So he, he was also going to be manager or something. Yeah. One gig. And uh, <laughs> and they were like, uh, you know, you knew Jack Johnson. We were amazed. You want to play at this place called The Juice Club? And like $3, <laughs> literally 30 bucks. He's told him 30 bucks and free beer 
and I do it. And he called me, and I'm like, "Fuck yeah, I'll do <laughs> that." And then the guy, we a big. It was like a successful night. Like when you're starting out, all your friends come out, you yeah, know. And totally. so it was like really packed night, you know. And the owner brought me like a hundred bucks, and he's like, "I'll give you more money than thirty dollars if you bring this many people," you know. Yeah. And uh, and then I I did that like once a month. And then eventually got like a weekly gig. And then, you know, I was doing it. I was playing all the time. Going to school. I mean. Definitely. Paying, you know, not really going to school. But I was enrolled in school and waiting tables and just playing a lot of music, you know. Yeah. Did you, what were you trying, what were you studying? Uh, middle school education, social studies. Oh, so you like potentially wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> yeah, totally. Nice. I did some, uh, you know, you have to do like three semesters of student teaching. And mm -hmm. I did one and. And I'm like, wait a minute, I fucking hate school. <laughs> you know, like a realization, like yeah. I'm doing it. And it, like my parents were supportive with the music, but they were always like, you know, definitely get a gotta have a job degree. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was like, nah, fuck that. Um, so and then kind of in a roundabout way, I ended up doing these like kids classes around Brooklyn. And I'm like, I kind of got into it, uh, you know, mm -hmm. you know, 15 years later or something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, totally independently and. Tell me a little bit more about those kids' classes. You were what? Yeah, we like uh, for lack of a better term, uh, mommy and me classes. They bring little toddlers into like I would do it at Cobra Club and Much More's and whatever Brookfield Place mm -hmm. and uh, Mass Brothers Chocolate and basically we do Wheels on the Bus and Louie Louie and shit and they shake shakers and oh and the kids like kind of participate it, yeah. in it and everything like that. It's oh, so cool. fun. I mean, it's like. You learn a ton about performing because, like, the whole Cause you cool guy it. persona that you put on when you go to a rock and roll show, it's like, get rid Out of that. Yeah, you want a clown. Cares, nobody cares about that. <laughs> yeah, at exactly. All, you dude. will lose. It's like when I hang out with my nephew, I just yeah. can. Just, <laughs> we, we were down in Baltimore last week, and that was awesome getting to just be like, I, I just get to act like a child and, like, right. uh, yeah, I don't know. That, it, it's cool. And you see, like, in little kids, you see, like, music and movement are connected you know mm -hmm. deeply and they like babies will start to shake when you play you know twist and shout you know yeah and these kids just like i mean they and it's fun to see them like really fucking get off on the like the they got their shaker going and they're just having the time of their life you know mm -hmm. um so it's pretty special but um once the pandemic hit i was doing it virtually and it was just kind of like i do one gig in the park uh, once a week but i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna keep doing it i'm just kind of a little bit over it mm -hmm. you know yeah but it, and it's it's i guess the most is like uh hard part about it is that you do this other music that you're better at you spend a lot more time crafting you know yeah. performance all this stuff and you it's struggling to get anybody to come to the shows and then you go to sing wheels on the bus and it's like you make They're a shit ton of money <laughs> you know? yeah. i mean a shit ton of money relative to the yeah. other one you know yeah, so totally. it's like, it, it kind of irks, irks me in that way. However, you see, once you get into it, it's like, oh, this is like pure fun, you know? Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, it's, it's I, I can kind of relate because I do some instrumental guitar music mm -hmm. that like, I don't think I've ever put more than three hours into recording one of those songs. Like, no joke. Like, I don't put, a, I don't think about it a whole lot. Mm -hmm. I come up with like, oh, that's just a fun chord progression. There's a verse, chorus bridge whatever right needs to be a, over two minutes long ish is this on spotify yeah i lay it down and then i th throw some leads over it and just because of this wor weird streaming world of spotify where it's like got that social aspect like i have all these 
friends and weird, not weird people, but people I know around the world that do the same thing and then they playlist it and they all have followers on their playlist and everyone's just listening to instrumental. working. Yeah, like calm guitar or instrumental. Interesting. I've heard about this. I haven't met anybody that actually has done it. Yeah, and I've kind of dabbled in it and I'm trying to do it more because I've realized, oh, it's like the more songs you put out, the more money you make off these things and it's like passive income once it's out. Mm -hmm. But also like my my moniker is AB Chetis guy and it's like, I think my monthly listeners on there something like 30,000 monthly mm-hmm. listeners. And like like I said, I haven't put more than three hours of right. like work into writing one of these songs. Maybe like more when I mix them and whatnot. And I have a professional master them. Mm-hmm. But like they don't sound amazing. I'm like an amateur fucking engineer. Right. And and they just like fucking get all these streams, all this, you know, and it's... It's and then I spend like thousands of dollars on a record of songs that <laughs> right. I've spent months to right. years to Keep write, dropping, and do, working words. on all yeah. the things and Arranging. and like and you you so can't even get your friends to listen the, to the, the fucking best? song. No, you can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I have friends that and it's and I feel bad because I'll come across as salty sometimes because they'll they'll be like I don't know like it'll be six months after the record come out and like hey this came up on my Spotify you know like uh-huh. this is a cool song this record's been out for six months and right. it would have done me a lot better if you listened to it the totally. week it came out because the stupid fucking algorithm right totally. like and and music press. I'll let this guy go by. Uh, and the way Music Press works, they only write about things that are coming out. You know what I mean? Or they been want out for two whatever. weeks. Yeah, and yeah. it's like you get this little window of time. It's so stupid. Uh, the Spotify thing is just like, it's so ridiculous the, to reward just more stuff because it's just like there doesn't need to be more and more. No, and that's, I'm torn, but I get what I, you're saying because yeah, I'm, I'm torn by it because it's like, well, you know, some of the, I look at my year last I don't mean year. that the ambient you know instrumental music i mean songwriters <laughs> no, no i but, kind of do but, but I, you know well it's true. like when this stuff with and i don't know this may be way too inside baseball for anyone listening yeah. i apologize <laughs> we'll move on to something more interesting shortly but the that neil young joe rogan spotify thing a few yeah. weeks ago or months whenever the time doesn't exist anymore because it's all just people being mad on the internet now that's all that there is now day to day sorry that's another <laughs> right. thing but like that whole thing is like all a lot of these these friends of mine who are composers and who would do instrumental music were posting in support of Spotify mm-hmm. on Facebook and, and like not to take away from any of them because they're all insanely talented musicians and composers right. but I'm also like like you know I'm able to make a living off of Spotify blah 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 and I stand with Spotify and I'm like Yo, I've been releasing records for like over 10 years. Mm-hmm. I've put way more time and effort and money into these records than you probably have any of your instrumental stuff, not taking away from the time and effort you put into right. honing that craft. Mm-hmm. But because of because some exploitative asshole in Sweden made a thing mm-hmm. that makes it easier for you to get right. people to passively listen to you. Mm-hmm. It makes my life way harder as an artist and way harder to make any sort of money at it while that fucking asshole in Sweden is taking money that he's made off of my songs and off of songs like the Beatles, like Love is All You Need, and then invested that money into the fucking war machine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden you got fucking $100 to give some fucking Fear Factor guy, and you're like, hold up. 
<laughs> I thought we, there was no money going around. And the first thing they, they say is like, they, we don't make any money yeah, off and of they're like music royalties. We lose money off music royalties. <laughs> then your like, business model is not right. viable. Right. Then fucking close the fucking away. doors yeah. and, and we'll figure something else out. Mm-hmm. Like, why does the free market matter to everybody that already has fucking billions and none of us that are fucking trying <laughs> to just get by? You know? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, no, that's funny. It's just, yeah, it's going to be uh, bitter dirt bags, uh, Spotify. What's right funny <laughs> is I released this podcast on Anchor, which uh-huh. is a division of Spotify, and I just qualified to get like ads, Mo- monetization yeah. from promoting anchor uh-huh. so hopefully at the beginning of this podcast episode i'm gonna have that ad that's gonna be like it's really hard to make a living as an artist yeah because of blah 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 and, and i'm gonna just say all these things and then i'm gonna say what they want me to in their script i'm never gonna outright name spotify as why i can't make any fucking money right. but like hopefully the ad will like i'm gonna i don't know i'm gonna try that out yeah let, let me know how it goes <laughs> just uh, listen to all- the yeah. episode i guess <laughs> i've subscribed i subscribed earlier today i'm not gonna fucking lie. a i think that makes it 12 I, I rated subscribers and reviewed. i didn't review actually but i did i rate i gave you Thank five you. stars so. fuck yeah i think but, to be honest i had only listened to one episode at that point but i'm but who's that honest with you uh riley pinkerton oh cool yeah riley's great you know her no i'm oh. i saw her, uh i saw castle rat play at the at sultan room with Evolfo, um, and it was like the great rat summoning. It was, mm-hmm. it was like two bands that both have a rat in a rat costume uh, aesthetic or whatever. And so it was like around Halloween last year. It was really good. Cool. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. Riley's awesome. Uh, it's a good episode to listen to. Um, but Five I, stars. According. I digress. I digress. <laughs> we, I've just been fucking yelling about Spotify. Uh, <laughs> That's why, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, I've been nothing but a walking Spotify advertisement for a decade now <laughs> yeah. because every time I release music on it, I'm like, listen to it on Spotify because it has the social aspect. Yep. So there's that possibility of it going viral, yep. even though it's not a going That's to. where they dangle it in front of you. It's yeah, like, it's, it's, it's fucking fucked. annoying because it's like, take for example, like, Instagram, something that we, sharing images, cool images, you know, you would think like flyers would be a huge part of that because mm-hmm. bands have been making flyers forever at school. Well, they go, no, because then you're promoting shit and we don't want that. So if you were going to de-incentivize you putting up flyers. So now if you put something with text on it, nobody's, nobody's going to see it. Yeah. You know? It's like, that's just known that's going to happen. So we, they dangled this thing for you. Like, oh, well you could just, you know, it's democratized or whatever the, you know, whatever the trip is. And they're like, you can like just make good stuff and your followers will come. But then it's totally fucking organized and like, they're going to hurt. Like, I don't know. I just put up a, a flyer today, like great art. And it's like, nobody's going to see it because it has text on it. And it's yeah. just like, fuck that shit, man. <laughs> Total bullshit. You know? but. No, that's, uh, that's the truth. Like why this, this following that I've been developing and building for 10 years, and I don't have a big following on Instagram, right. but I've got over 2,000 followers that I've fucking worked hard to get. Right. And, and like, and now I don't, like, my pictures don't get to them. Yeah. Like, they don't see them. Right. You know, like, a very small percentage of those people see them. And if I put text on there to try and promote something, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just, it's like, and people listening to this podcast are probably sick of hearing me <laughs> complain about this <laughs> shit. About it. But well, it's, it's just the truth. It's just the truth of the matter. I mean, it's like, and what sucks is it's not like there's fucking great things happening uh, 
I mean, there's always great things happening creatively, but I mean, you could just see how it's dumbing down Everything. shit and it's just making it so banal and boring and it's kind of a bummer, you know? Yeah. Well, like my song, my instrumental songs that do the best are the ones that sound like if I try and make a song that sounds like I'll listen to 10 songs on their big peaceful guitar uh-huh. playlist. I'll listen and I'll be like, those. I just try and mimic that. Those are the songs that do the best. <laughs> and it's like, or like there was that Greta Van Fleet band that uh-huh. sounded a lot like Zeppelin. Right. Um, I don't really have much of an opinion about it, but like they kind of started blowing up because they fit on Zeppelin radio. And it's like, yeah. oh, cool. So now I just fucking rip off ACDC. So every yeah. fucking meathead in America is playing me while they're listening, while they're at the fucking gym. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, ripping off bands is cool. Everybody's been doing that for <laughs> as long as it's, Totally, but like, there's a difference around. between being inspired by something and, and, like and a, trying to imitate something yeah. for a fucking algorithm. Right. Totally. Um, but, but then again, it's like fucking show business. And I guess if you want to fucking, you know, you got to play the game, I guess. I don't know. I'm, well, not, I'm not down. But. Yeah, well, that's kind of where we're at. Like, uh, because you and I, I, at this point, I think we're lifers, you know, like yeah. I, I don't have any. I have other things that I like to do to make money and I have other jobs, you know, but like I think I'm going to be trying to go on tour and release records until like until I'm dead or until like it's just not possible yeah. anymore because society's crumbled to the point that I can't <laughs> find a four track, you know what I yeah. mean, and a guitar. But you have good things to talk about. Or yeah, totally. Interesting uh, thing. Yeah, and so so like you, you know I can sit there and and spend a bunch of time complaining about Spotify or I can figure out like oh well these things seem to be working and so I'm going to do more of that yeah. and then. And really, you kind of you kind of gotta compartmentalize, I guess, at this point, and be like, okay, this is the I gotta accept that, like, I'm gonna work really hard on my Charles Ellsworth songs, and I'm gonna I'm gonna probably put more money into those records than I should, mm-hmm. and I might get upside down on them, and uh, <laughs> and and that's just like that's just how it's gonna possibly be, yeah. or maybe it's insanity because of the whole like doing the same thing and. Expecting different results. Honestly, I think I'll be around long after Spotify is. For sure. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, for sure. And and seen it come, all these things. Dude, my old go. band blew up on MySpace. Had like sixty, seventy thousand fans on MySpace. Uh-huh. We were like, you know, and this is like so many people have this experience. I'm not yeah. unique, but like we were like doing, you know, about to blow up. Had a record doing really well. We were gonna go yeah. showcase at South by Southwest two weeks before that, and or and after that tour. We were gonna go on our first tour with like a booking agent who mm-hmm. like they were booking it for their band and we were opening and if things went well they were gonna pick us up mm-hmm. and uh, two weeks before South by our singer quit yeah <laughs> um, because he's like a rich kid that like said it felt too much like a job he's and to yeah. this day he's never had a real job in his life um, goddamn yeah but <laughs> but, I mean, but what's funny is like in the time between when that band broke up and I started releasing solo music like two years later because it took me a long time to like decide mm-hmm. that was like what I really wanted to do I played bass in that band and kind of did all the business stuff I kind of right. co-wrote some stuff but like I I didn't believe in myself enough to think that I could just like learn how to sing and write songs and all that stuff and it took a few years and in those two years it was a crucial time where MySpace just fucking off the map Uh so those 70,000 fans just don't exist anymore yeah yeah totally you know and I'm starting from fucking scratch Uh you know like and uh but it's also like you know and you just see things like that reverb nation what the fuck was that you know what I mean like all these things and it's like I don't know Spotify does have like a very large market share and so it could exist for another fucking 60 years Yeah, but like I don't think it does. 
Yeah, I mean, if, I don't know. I mean, it's so popular right now, but it's just like those things, you know. It's a non-viable business model. Yeah. You can't just go give $100 million and to Joe Rogan. putting their fucking little thing up at the end of the year. Oh, my God, you listen to X amount of blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you you paid for, like, I never paid Spotify a dollar. I never only gotten paid by Spotify, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like you just want a little PowerPoint at the end of your fucking... I don't know. It's just so ridiculous. But. Well, I heard... Well, you just gave all this free advertising to Spotify at the end and of the year. And they love and it. And I also heard that that whole thing, that uh-huh. Spotify wrapped... And this could be hyperbole. I don't know for uh-huh. sure, but like, fuck it. <laughs> like the, the war on, I mean, the New York Times got us into the uh, the war on Iraq. So yeah. like, fuck me, you know, I got a podcast. Uh, this was, I heard that that was created by an unpaid intern who they didn't give a job to afterwards. <laughs> you believe that shit? I mean, I believe it because it's like, yeah, because, yeah, oh man. So the question I pose to you is how did we get here? And uh, MySpace, I believe. No, no, no. Just, like, but like, how did we get to this point where like, it seems like all the worst people in companies are promoted to the top and like, and all of the best people I know are just fucking struggling to get by. Carl, uh, give me some fucking I, mean, I think answers. it's been like that for a long time. <laughs> yeah, Convenience no, you... is part of the reason. Yeah. It's like, that's why people like Spotify. That's why, you know, so much evil shit goes on. I'm, I'm thinking about like, I don't know. Just like when you start fucking with the way people make money, they get really freaked out. It's like that's part of the reason why universal health care is tough because it's like you start messing with people getting paid on the medical supply end, which that's a huge industry, you know, on the whatever the patents on the medicine and then all down the line. Mm-hmm. That's like a big deal, you know, and that's why they, these big systems can't change or it seems impossible for them to change. No, that's, I mean, it makes so sense because somebody's money's getting fucked with yeah. and why not just keep fucking with and the that's poor why people? Slavery was, you know, they when, knew when, whenever they fucking wrote the constitution that slavery was awful, but they couldn't yeah. say that you can't do it because it fucked with people's money. Well, America was the last country to be doing that. Totally. And I mean, it's still... For like a long time. They like still a, have slavery. I mean, it's still, well, yeah. you know, with the 13th Amendment and also just with undocumented immigrants in the way that this country is, they have no protections and it leads to abject slavery. People are held in shackles and forced to work without pay. Yeah. And it's like, it's not, it's, it's hyperbolic in so much as that it's not the most common occurrence, but it does happen. Yeah. It's awful. No, it's, yeah, it's just, it's so fucked So anyway, I started playing guitar at the... (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, dude, I, I, it's, I'm... I can't I don't know if you can tell I'm angry <laughs> I'm angry about some shit uh, no I it's it is and then yeah and then the whole conspiracy theory stuff or like people like not trusting the government and like or like you know what I mean? you, mm-hmm. like it's like you kind of get it because it's like well you know and, and like I'm usually gonna almost always side with like science on things mm-hmm. um, and like peer reviewed backed real actual science right um, but like historically it just it's just like poor people are always getting fucked yeah. and like and we find out years later like mk ultra we find out all these things years later they're like oh the government's it's doing totally this crazy true. shady yeah. shit so why would they not be lying about the fucking disease that was developed in a lab in wuhan and like right. and they're trying to put microchips inside of us so they can fucking inject us with radioactive yeah you know whatever. i don't, I don't you know, know that one but no yeah. i'm just making things <laughs> up tell because, me more and then the the fda is gonna put aids in our chicken nuggets <laughs> oh yeah that's as true. tracy morgan says <laughs> that's true i mean if anybody knows tracy knows yeah 
<laughs> um, I'm gonna refill my coffee real quick. Okay, need cool. No, I'm good. Maybe another polar seltzer. Gotcha. Is it still rolling? Can I talk while you're gone? Yeah, please do. It was a long time ago, on a night just like this. The wind howled in the background. There was alarms, lights, red and blue, flash on a brownstone and bedsty. Out the window, prisoner of war flag, waves in the wind behind the American flag, bitter cold on a March afternoon. Oh wait, I already said it was night. I was uh, setting a scene. A little treat for you the next time you, whenever you go to edit. You like edit? <laughs> You're supposed to edit these things? <laughs> One time I took the time to go through and take out like all of the, the gig, ums yeah. and ahs and like all, uh, and try and make myself sound smarter than I actually am. And I was like, yeah. not worth the amount of time. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a guy, Paul. I have a I have a podcast too called First Last Best Worst, and we interview songwriters and uh paul is our guy we, we actually recorded onto a cassette onto a Tascam four track cassette tape mm-hmm. for the studio uh thing but he goes in and he he goes crazy with the ums he'll take them all out because oh cool yeah it does sound better <laughs> no it really does and I, i'll do it kind of so i used to edit my podcast and this is way inside baseball but i used to edit in logic and i don't really know logic very well and then i started using adobe audition which I've edited video in Adobe for uh-huh. years, and so then it was like, oh, this is way easier because I know kind of how this works is like linear, right? Like, whereas I don't, I'm just not an engineer. I'm like teaching myself all this shit, you know. Sounds amazing though. It's like when you can start notching out frequencies that I don't know that like remove whole things. You're like, holy shit! It's yeah. all just these waves, dude. I yeah, watching someone who's just like really engineer brain mm-hmm. work with. Whether it's like audio engineering or like I, I did a lot of carpentry or I've done a lot of carpentry in my life and someone whose brain works like, oh, this is how we're going to build this thing and so it doesn't fall apart or collapse or what. And you're mm-hmm. just like, whoa. I would have never thought of that. That's yeah. amazing, you know? Right, and I feel so. like I'm a pretty clever, like intelligent person. I'm not going to be the smartest person in most rooms, but mm-hmm. like I can figure shit out. But then you like find someone who's just like brain works that way and it's mm-hmm. night it's and day. It's very cool. Yeah. What was your first uh what was your first song that you wrote? First song I wrote, um I see you, you see me, we both know that we could be something more than love alone. Take me there, babe, take me home. That was it. Um it was some major seven chords, which I thought I maybe invented because I was like major, minor. What is this? Oh, that sounds like jazz, you know. Yeah. And uh yeah, that was it. Two chord, a, a two chord jam. Nice. <laughs> that was when I was thirteen. And um, I'm think I was thinking about it earlier today. I was I had this song called M I C U, um, written for my friend Emily Cavanaugh, who um, we were playing this gig at um, the Grand Ole Opry. Had a place in Times Square called the Opry um, City Stage, mm-hmm. and it was like the fucking best gig. I mean, like stage managers and two audio techs and they had big screens like we started playing like we didn't know that they had this stuff either but I started doing uh Folsom Prison Blues you know mm-hmm. and they they like put the text up on the they have like a image on the screen and it was fucking amazing like four levels of but nobody was there so it was like very obvious that it wasn't going to stay open for very long but we mm-hmm. had this gig and we had dates on the books and then um all of a sudden I see on social media it was like they're closed. They didn't tell anybody. They just closed up the doors. And so I'm like, oh my God. So I text Emily and I don't hear from her because we were doing a, duo, a duet there. Mm-hmm. It was like country standards, you know. 
And, um, and I didn't hear from her for a couple of days. So I was like, oh, that's kind of weird, you know. But I was like, pity party, losing a really good, well-paid, had a green room, fed you. Yeah. We did three, three sets. It was like a 45-minute set, a 45-minute set, and a 30-minute set. And we got to go chill in the green room in between, you know. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. It was perfect, you know. Times Square, name on a fucking marquee in Times Square, which is cool. Yeah. Anyway, we the place closes and uh, and I call and I text Emily. I don't hear from her. And then like two days later, um, I heard from her and she's like, "My grandpa passed away last weekend. The uh, uh, Opry City stage closed down, and she went through a breakup with somebody she was like engaged to. Oh no." All in that one weekend, you know, Ooh. and so I'm like giving myself this fucking pity party, you know, about losing a gig, mm-hmm. and my dear friend is like going through it so much worse, you know, and so I wrote a song, you know, like we do, and uh, it started with "I see you" and what you're going through, and then I realized that the very first song I wrote was had that same thing, so I had to change it to "M I C U." And then I changed the title to letter M, letter I, letter C, and U. Because um, I couldn't have, I'm like, I can't be doing this like all these years later and still start with the same line as the very first <laughs> song I wrote. So yeah. I had to add a word in there. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Did, uh, when, when, what year was this where that Opry stage was? Oh, I would say 2016, 2017, oh, something okay. like that. So fairly recently. Yeah, very, pretty, Seems more recent because we lost a couple of years there. You yeah, know? really. Uh, yeah, crazy. But the place was it was it was cool as far you know like to play in Times Square and they had like, like I said it was like four levels of tables. But they also like sold cheeseburgers, you know, and they had like country memorabilia all around, uh-huh. you know, and just like really touristy. Yeah, thing. totally. It probably should be in Nashville because right. it's the Grand Ole Opry, but it's in Times Square. Yeah. And they had some deal with uh, with one of the morning shows. They would have country stars come and play. And they had like a... They bought the whole building. So there was like another stage on up, upstairs or something. Oh, you know? okay. It was cool. It was cool to have a green room. Yeah. I loved the green room. Because I play so many dive bars where there's not one. And you get there early and you set up all your shit. And then you like got to stand at the bar and you're like, yeah. God damn, you know? Yeah. Are you sitting at the bar for like four hours? Right. And, and then <laughs> yeah. you're like, holy this shit, is... I can't play guitar because I've had way too much to drink. <laughs> but even if you're not drinking, you're still just like, there's no, like sometimes there's nowhere to go. Yeah. So you set up your shit and then you're just like, I'm just going to stand in front of my shit now, you know? Yeah. That, for me, that's the most awkward feeling, you know? Um, so I love a green room where you can go chill, practice guitar, you know, and be, alone or mm-hmm. fewer people yeah that's uh there's it's funny the first time you get to like experience like what a, like a legit gig is mm-hmm. um or there's this place in salt lake city called the state room mm-hmm. which is like you know, i saw justin towns are all there and i think josh ritter and jason isbel before jason isbel was like right you know, right out of the truckers and he was just doing his own thing yeah it was like um it was probably b- right before Southeastern dropped, gotcha. you know, and Southeastern really like, yeah, you know, skyrocketed him. But, you know, so like, and it's just, they've just always had great music. The The dudes that put it on, mm-hmm. they actually have a couple venues in Salt Lake now that they, they do some, they just curate really great stuff. And it's just always been a dream to play there. And the first time I got to play there with my buddy, Vincent Draper for, we did a split called Salt Lake City, a love story. And for our 
album release we got to play there and it was like they got like a, a bus bin full of ice and like mm-hmm. like local craft beers from like you into brewery yeah, and right. it's just like and a towel and you're like fuck yeah yeah you're like wait th- like before i let anyone in the band drink those beers I was like i gotta find out we gotta pay for this <laughs> like, you know what i mean you're just yeah. like so like do we have to pay for it they're, they look at you like you're crazy yeah. and you're like <laughs> No, normally I get like two drink tickets. Right. You know, like. Right, exactly. I was actually just talking to someone because I've been doing, and not to name drop, but I've been doing some, uh, some like PA work for LCD Sound System the past several months. Like when they're doing shows or doing stuff in Mm -hmm. New York, like sometimes they call me up to like help out because I'm friends with like some of the people in the crew. And that's a whole other thing where you're like saying, oh, this is how like rock stars do things. You know what I mean? Like this Mm -hmm. is how like they're a huge band. Yeah. Dude, I had the best story of going to one of their shows but go ahead oh really i would love to hear it there's a long way to say like part of i think why i'm a lifer and why i've been in the music game for so long is that addictive nature of eventually you get to like peel back the curtain a little bit more of like mm-hmm. oh i get a green room with all the beer i want now right. and then like a little bit more you know and like in every stage it's like this tour that i'm preparing for now i'm thinking like do i want to buy some stage lights for yeah. to try and like up the production value and it's just all these things that like man five six years ago when i was just like sleeping in my crv driving around (laughs) like sleeping off like a a bad drunk you know Uh just like really struggling not that now i'm like flush with cash but just like i don't know these gear will solve all your mental health problems (laughs) eventually but you know what i mean it's just like it's kind of an addictive thing and for someone with an addictive personality to just keep kind of leveling up I don't. I don't know. We'll get to that green room. Get to that green room. Yeah. Buckets of ice and, and beer. The, the writer. <laughs> yeah. I, first time I put, yeah played a gig with this guy Bart Crow from Austin, and he's like, "What do you got in your writer?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, I didn't know. I thought that was like a joke that they talked about in the '80s or whatever." It's like, no, you gotta, you gotta fucking put that shit in there. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. Was that here in New York? No, that was in Montana actually. Oh, cool. Um, got that gig off MySpace. Well, yeah, something like that. We've kind of been all over the place, and I've and <laughs> no. I because we've taken a lot of smoke a joint? time. I would love to smoke a joint. Okay, uh, this Can is actually this is actually a dirtbag's guide first. Oh, really? I don't I'm think I. Gifts. I mean, I've definitely been stoned on on <laughs> the podcast before, but I've never like smoked a, a joint wall on the podcast. Is it cool to smoke in here? Yeah, dude. I don't have a lighter. That's all we do. Missing. All I do in here is smoke weed. <laughs> Maybe I masturbate once or twice. All right. Like, <laughs> all right. Why everything was crusty? <laughs> Oh, disgusting. Sorry. I didn't get a chance to clean up before you came over, Carl. Uh, All right. Well, this is exciting. First I guess time. I guess this episode's going to get some editing. Yeah, I think so. What are we at? Two hours? <laughs> Let's see. Most of these things usually go two. Yeah. I kind of I noticed that just scrolling through your feed. Yeah. Some of them have gone two and a half. Some have gone hour and a half. You know. Dang, this well, is a great did, jo- joint. Did you roll Yeah, it? I rolled that, but it was a, a cone, you know, already just dump it in Thank you You're so much for bringing that. I brought it in a uh, Honer harmonica case, too, because <laughs> I rode the bike down, and I couldn't have it in my pocket. Yeah, because it will get broken. <laughs> and broken joints are, <coughs> you know, kind of a bummer. Defeat the purpose of a joint completely. <laughs> yeah, you can, I mean, you can still smoke them, kind and of. And it's not illegal what we're doing, either, because it's legal in the city. It's legal in New York City now. Well, speaking of Joe, Joe Rogan, Rogan, now I just feel like Joe Rogan, like podcasting while smoking joints. Well, let's be honest. That's why we got into podcast. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I got into stand-up comedy so I could get people to eat bugs. <laughs> you, um, ever, you ever go to open mics? Yeah, I, 
Yes and no. Um, yeah. yeah Sometimes I, there's crossover. So I've been to a handful. I went to some in uh, the Jalopy Theater oh, a couple yeah, yeah. times. Uh, I never go the there. That place is so cool. It's so dope, but it's so out of the way. <laughs> I know, and, like, especially from Queens. It's so far. Totally. And like the times I did go, I was still drinking and like, and you're waiting for your name to get called out of the hat, and they got like three dollar tacates. And by the right. time I get up there, I'm just like, "Yeah, hey, what's up? Here's Townsman's Dead song. I'm exactly. fucking drunk as shit." <laughs> Don't you respect me more now that I can get this drunk? Get this drunk and still play my guitar? I thought that was the game for so long. In Dude, some was, ways, I, yeah, me too. Totally. Like, can I use that lighter again? <laughs> totally. <coughs> I'm gonna kind of just. <coughs> Change the format a little bit. Not really the format, but I'm just trying to think of bizarre questions to ask, but not bizarre. Like, anyways, here's the first one. Ask. Here's the first question: Is <laughs> what about being a musician in New York City is the same as you imagined it would be, and what's very different? Or being a touring musician, like, like when you were, I don't know, first starting well, out in college. Yeah. What did you expect this would be like? versus what it's like now well having read the dave matthews biography i thought i was going to be playing stadiums pretty quick yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean but I, I say that as a joke but that's not really true i was actually i had like i was interviewed on this television program back then and i have a dvd of it and i say like they asked me what my ambitions are and i'm like playing on main street in small town usa is good enough for me you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's, i think that's kind of cool so I so at that point I think my ambitions were just that, but I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's like it's a way to limit yourself. Yeah, it's a way to be like, oh, I just you know, I do this thing and that's what I do, and I'm gonna put this down. I'm sufficiently high. I might burn down your house. Um, but ultimately, all those ambitions, like ambition, is scary because that if you say you want to do this thing, it means you got to go out and do it. You mm -hmm. know, and there's a high chance of failure. Or it's not going to work out the way you think it is. So, um, so in a certain way, I would be—I've exceeded any expectation I had initially getting into it, and and all that, you know. Yeah. But just like anything else, as you progress, you want—I mean, I love playing for a full house, and I don't always play for a full house around New York, so that's like a bummer, yeah. you know. But it happens, and I do like the moth and stuff too, and it's like. You get to play for sold out rooms or perform in a sold out room and it's like everything you could imagine. <laughs> you know, it's like it feels yeah. really fucking good and you get a huge buzz from it for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, totally. That's that's like a the the long and short of it is, I guess, you know, yeah. like is like you, you is I mean, I haven't played to a like packed room in a minute. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like and that's kind of the weird we were talking about plateaus earlier mm -hmm. and it's a uh, um. You know, and I played a like I have like attentive audiences and like Perfect. that are small or like that are, I, you know, I'm not I'm not I don't want to like downsize at all because like what I've done and the people who've like come flock to my music is like amazing. Like mm -hmm. I, I I love it and I feel yeah. very fortunate on a daily basis uh -huh. that I do what I do, but like I haven't played a packed room in a minute, you know, in a while. And so and you're like, man, before I left Salt Lake City, I sold out the state room, right? You know, and that's What's like, that? like a 300 cap, you yeah. know, and it's like, I couldn't do that now in Salt Lake City. And yeah. I sure as hell can't do it in New York City. Yeah, yeah. And like my last album release for Caesarea, we sold out like 120-ish people at the well mm -hmm. um, in 26, 2017, I think. Uh, I don't think I could draw 100 people now Yeah. in New York City. You know, so it's like, and I'm like, I think the music I'm making is way better. 
right. think I'm a much better musician. I think I'm writing way better songs, but like, but that's it's what just, I say. You got to be in competition with yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's it's just kind of it's like that weird thing of like, um, I guess what I'm trying to get to is like, uh, it wasn't about the crowds. It never was about that. Yeah. I guess you know what I mean. Because yeah, yeah. I was doing it way before that period where that happened for a little while, or you know what I mean. And right. even during that same time, probably two months earlier, I'd played to fucking. 12 people right or six you know like that in a place that could have fit 200 and when you see it as like uh as a kid like the depictions of either playing music or whatever performing doing comedy or magic or something it's like oh that's cool that they can even you could even do it in a room full of like that's not full you know yeah and then you're like experience that and you're like Oh, actually, it's not that fun. <laughs> it's not that fun to do. <laughs> you know? Totally. Well, and I had to change my... It's like our show at Low High the other night. Yeah. We didn't have, you know... That was cool, though, because, I mean... Yeah, at least we, at least we were there. <laughs> yeah, know, no, totally. And, but that's where I've now, especially since getting sober, because um, I think a lot of... Like, alcohol was way more toxic for me mentally and, like, and for just my overall state of mind than it ever was for the most part, in, like, individual instances. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Like, or yeah. I wasn't like I was, you know, like, very often getting blacked out drunk and doing, like, really shitty things. Like, right. maybe, like, a, out of 100 times, that might happen once or twice. <laughs> yeah. But overall, I just felt like garbage. I was always in a right. bad mood. I, mm-hmm. You know, I'm a grumpy person as it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had a hangover. And it's like nobody on the planet wants to be around uh-huh. And so... um Anyways, like you could just call it eccentric, though. And then it, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, I'm not. That. I'm not good at that. <laughs> um, but the, I guess the, like, that low high show five six years ago would have bummed me out. Yeah, like big time. Right. Now I was just like, that was a really fun night, yeah, and I'm like, time. I'm stoked we got paid for that, you know. <laughs> right. And I wish, I hope that like because not many people came it doesn't mean that that gig's not going to exist in the future because that's <laughs> right. always a chance for sure that's why you get bummed out i mean it's like that's what you're worried about yeah, yeah. exactly um because like the good ones just go away for for no reason you know yeah gigs. so then whenever like you know yeah if you don't bring the people you're supposed to bring or whatever but it's i don't know it's so fucking stupid the whole bringer show thing I don't want to. We don't have to keep talking about. Yeah, well, I mean specific. Yeah, so I'm. I'm. It's so funny because like so much of this is just like a hang because you and I haven't ever got to just like hang except for at a show, and so which like that needs to change and we could have you on the podcast again where we can get into more. Sure, I'm. I'm here every week, man. Yeah, (laughs) but well, the crazy sidekick. Yeah, well, like, how did you get to New York? What brought you here? And um, what was the what was the mindset about like did did you move from college straight to here no i spent um a year in st louis i I went to amarillo i spent a year in amarillo texas um why amarillo why did anybody get why did tom t hall go to memphis for a woman you know i'm sorry if that sounded i was the woman i was dating uh we moved to amarillo because she got a job and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I hate Texas. And uh, I had a really good barbecue in Amarillo. Once. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's right cool. Right off the interstate. <laughs> Other than that. Um, and so I spent about a year there. I played at this place called the Golden Light Cantina. And I was doing Jack Johnson and Sublime and G-Love. 
and they wanted you know cross canadian ragweed was like the big band uh oh, yeah. there they had, and i saw their poster up and i was like look at these guys on the car you know like kind of like making fun of them and the bartender was like no like that's not cool <laughs> we love that band <laughs> right yeah exactly so um i had like i started working at this pump this water pump place and uh all the guys from the water, it was like we were building water pumps. They dropped down to like irrigate fields and mm-hmm. cattle and stuff or whatever. And so um, all the guys from Global Pump came down one time and I did, it was it was a fun time. And the guy, they booed me. I played uh, oh, fuck. Um, Friends in Low Places because everybody loves that song. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, not in that bar because it's a Texas country bar. And that's not, you can't play Garth Brooks because he's from Oklahoma. He's from Oklahoma. And he, you know, he didn't even write, whatever. Didn't even write that song. But never really been booed before, you know. Especially on that one that I think everybody's going to love. I'm like, wait till you check this out, you know. Oh, God. And so the my boss from Global Pump, like, came over. He's like, you need to learn Texas country. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, what do you got? And he's like, burn me CDs the next Monday. And I learned about Stoney LaRue. And Mike McClure and uh, I don't know whoever else was on there, and it's good, you know. And it was like really good music, yeah. And I got turned on with some good music, but the relationship didn't work out, and I moved back to St. Louis, lived there for a year, and then the place I was working at, bartending, closed, and my friend was living in New York, and he was like, "The cream rises to the top here. Come out here, you know." Mm-hmm. And so I did, and I like fell in love with it in a way that I didn't anticipate you know it was a hard it was challenging very challenging still is to you know um to make it but um the city's endless and i started i got into running i got Mm -hmm. started riding my bike a lot um doing like dog walking and it was just like so fun and then of course the nightlife and all of that so I just I dig it you know yeah when like how long have you been here when when did you move here that was 2010 2010? Mm-hmm. Cool. So, yeah. 10 years. Nice. Um, what what did those early days look like? A lot of subway busking. <clears throat> That's where I really... I mean, I was doing it like a, a job, you know? I would do it every day. And, um, but I was wrecking my voice. I would lose my voice, you know, just from singing so loud. Because really, there's pretty good acoustics in the subway. It's so loud when the trains go through but when it's they're gone it's kind of quiet yeah this is before this is right before there was wi-fi in any of the stations you know mm-hmm. so like you got them it was like the last place you got people that they didn't have the internet in their mm-hmm. fucking hands you know and like if you get like a train delay it's like i'm gonna kill it and i would use like i had a kick drum on a suitcase and a tambourine on my foot and guitar harmonica yeah you don't really need to know two three songs because the trains go by so fast you yeah i do ryan adams new york new york mm. and uh i had a bell so you know i'd be just strumming i had that's when i started like really digging the nylon string guitar because you can really play it super loud and yeah. strum it really loud and the strings don't break and so um and i had a bell and so when somebody would tip me i'd stop and i'd ring the bell and everybody would laugh and then it was like you know it was a total gimmick but it was like worked every time yeah you know? And what like, kind of money would you pull in, like uh, on a good day? On a good day, I and mean, you can make two hundred bucks yeah. on a, you know, on a Saturday morning. Uh-huh. There's one spot I loved at the at on the F line at 14th Street, and it's like the reason I love it. There's a transfer there, 
but it's just one train going by. It's just or the F and the M, but it's just southbound. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like a platform with both sides. So you have the transfer coming in, and there's this little alcove that you can nestle back in and sing into the soap, and it just like it was awesome. And there was this woman that worked for the fucking MTA, and she would uh, she always like every once in a while we would be linked up to where she would be doing it working that station when I was and she'd like pick up the trash or whatever and she'd come by going and she'd like be doing the hi-hat and uh, I got the fucking bass and the tambourine doing fucking Ryan Adams New York, New York it was there were, those were like some super fun moments and just amazing. I met a bunch of people and you know it was cool met people that were like it's a good thing you met me <laughs> you know, oh my God. I was Jimi Hendrix's booking agent. I've only played Mercury Lounge twice, and I've met yeah. like four people at each of those gigs that <laughs> said shit like that to me. I've never played at Mercury And then, Lounge. like, tried to follow up with them and, like, email them. And, yeah. Uh, this guy. And, like, just, like, just crickets. <laughs> right. Like, well, it's like, I'm glad you were impressing your date that night. Right. They're like, was... you have to do everything. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, what? <laughs> I've already been doing that. What yeah, exactly. I do? want 10%. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a packager. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. I got bills to pay. <laughs> That's, I, I mean, I love the, the busking in the subway thing. I did that a little bit when I first got here. And um, it was like, I mean, sometimes I really loved it. It Like, I... What sucks, and I this is my own, my own <laughs> problem, is like, or... I mean, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh bartending was so just easy oh yeah yeah. and bar backing and like like i fell into like a this is how i got this apartment met like yeah. a lot of these roommates was like i fell into like a a cush bar backing job that like i made really good money and right i just and got it's going out and you meet all these people and i just got lost in the sauce of like yeah like I, and i'd like go on the road a lot that was something I, i'll say i was good about is like hitting the road a lot mm-hmm. and trying to uh expand out there but like n- not really focusing in new york a whole lot right and so but yeah, the the few times I busked, I always like it's like this podcast. I'm I'm like a ball of anxiety leading up to it, and I'm just like, why the fuck do I do this thing? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't like this, and blah 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 blah. And then like I do it, and it's just like awesome while it's happening. Yeah, and yeah. then, and then I'm like walking away from it, or it's over. I'm like that. I'm really glad I did that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and I never made that much money, but I go out there for an hour or two, yeah. and I never knew the good spots. Every once in a while, I'd catch Metropolitan G yeah. right. right there, and. Uh, yeah, that's a good spot. I would just like stop there if there's nobody there. It's like there's this band Bird Courage. Do you know them? They I don't even think they exist anymore. Was they it used to busk all the time and they would do it on either side of the G stop there, you know? Was it two dudes and, Z- and xylophone and uh, or uh, I don't know. Oh, I remember two a band of two dudes that just played guitar, I feel like, mm. and they, there was the word bird in their name. Could have been them. Um, but Bird Courage sounds familiar. Yeah. And it was like really like it was <laughs> oh, <being laughs> <The dope. dog. laughs> It was really uh I really liked their, their Yeah, they tunes. were so good. But they um, were like around busking a lot when always you did know, that. And you know you get to meet all the people and it was like I'll be back at this spot. Don't leave until I get you know what I mean, like Yeah. You know, don't let anybody take this spot, but I'll be back. And uh, and that was fun. But it's also the subway. It's disgusting. Yeah. And, um, you know, really since the pandemic, I haven't done it at all. I've been like anti-subway com- trying to be completely, you know. Yeah, cool. I get that. Um, what's your favorite gig that you've played in New York City? 
Favorite gig I've played in New York City. Oh, um, let me think. There's been so many. I guess I'll go back to because uh, really it's all about the last, the latest gig. You know what I mean? The last gig, uh, and the one that felt the best recently was at the Red Lion. I play there one to four a.m. on Mondays, and uh, the band before me just had a huge crowd, and it was like a they're like a wedding band like eight piece wedding band and mm-hmm. i have to go on after this after this band to like a bunch of just roaring drunk people you know yeah the one dude with a guitar you know and uh and it fucking worked i had like my little drum machine set up and like i got their attention and then they just dug it and stayed and danced all night and it was like like definitely a pat myself on the back being like wow i can't believe like because because I'm using this looper and all these weird bleeps and bloops and stuff, like I can keep that crowd. Whereas like, you know, five years ago I would have just had to strum and blow the harp, you know, and yeah. that sometimes can make people like walk out the t- walk out the door if it's you know yeah. if they're expecting something else, you know. It's very real. Yeah, so uh, I'll say that one. That one was really good. That was like fucking yeah, just like total high energy started out at a 10 and just like didn't take a break for the really two first two hours or something like that uh-huh. and it was just like super fun cool what uh what's that that red lion gig like it's a monday night one to what'd yeah. you say one to four I, when i first saw you like advertise that when uh-huh. we first followed each other and i uh he wrote oh, it down wrong. I was like, I was like, wait, are those times right? You mean one to four p.m.? It's like a brunch. It's so thing. confusing. And it was like yeah. Monday. I was like, I, I thought it was like Sunday. No, or... It's late night. Um, it's brutal. I have one more. It's like not that good of a gig, <laughs> you know. But sometimes it like, if it just if things line up right, it was. I think that one might have been a Sunday, and it may have been a three day weekend. I think it was like. Oh yeah, whatever the last three day weekend was. Totally, President's so, Day or something. Exactly, and so it was just like I walked in. It was stormy too, and so I'm go- like, all right, here we go. You know, because I get on the train at midnight to go to wor- work. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like it's fucking wild, and so um, I I walk in the side door, and it's like there's no room to stand. It's just like oh my god, and the sound guy comes over and starts chatting with me. And he's like, these people are crazy. He's all mad. He's like, mad that they were playing old music. He's like, my, I'd be so mad if people were playing my parents' music and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, holy shit, this is crazy. It's like so busy, you know. Like, just like, yeah, college drunk, you know. It's like every bartender's nightmare. Like, oh, a wedding's coming <laughs> yeah. in at 1 a.m. and we're about right, to get totally. our asses kicked. Yeah. But it's fun. And that's like the joy of doing covers, you know. It's like... uh you know, people like to hear it mm-hmm. and that's part of it. That's part of music, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, it's, I mean, you got to play to the crowd that's in front of you. You got to, right. you got to get them like into it. And I wish, yeah, there's so many times in my past that I wish I had kind of understood that. And when I was younger, like I wish I could tell my younger self, just like dude, a crowd is like a rarity. Take advantage <laughs> right. of it and get their fucking emails. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, and no, I suck at that. I can't get emails. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, or just get them to like uh, the thing I do now is like you guys on Spotify or or, right. or like or you guys on Instagram. Let's follow each other. Like you right. know, because like I got a new friend potentially, and like and you never know when you like meet that person that's like now a supporter, and they spend like hundreds of dollars on your music a right. year, and you're like, 
All right. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, that's the only way it fucking happens, you right. know? Um, I recently had a handful of people reach out to me uh, that are like, like newer or younger and, uh, you know, being like, hey, I really want to, um, I kind of want to pursue a career in music. You're like one of the only pros I know. Mm -hmm. um, like, could you give me some advice sort of thing? And like, first of all, like me being love is just like me, a pro. That's right. like, <laughs> it's like, that's a, that's the most flattering, amazing thing. Like mm -hmm. those messages, like, like fucked me up is like amazing. But also yeah. like, I feel like I'm just like waist deep in the struggle. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. But, but also like gave me a chance to reflect and look on like, you know, how far I've come and like what, a lot of the experiences I've had and the knowledge that I do have now. Um, and sorry, I guess like, like what, if you were going to try and send an Instagram message of like that sort of advice, mm -hmm. like what, what do you think it would be to my younger self or just to, to a younger person in general, whichever you prefer, you know, like well, what, what would be the difference? I don't know. Now I'm stoned because, um, <laughs> Well, it's also, I mean, it depends on your relationship with your younger self because that's, yeah. that's, there's something to be said I think about when that. I, yeah, that's true. When I, I would say look the part, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I like that in a performer too. Like, look like what you're talking about. Like, I, like don't wear, uh, I don't know, whatever, shorts on stage. I'm just like, dress cool <laughs> you know i don't get like the even like co comedians are always like hoodie and shit and it's like you're on stage you know there's like lights pointed at you uh yeah wear a suit or you know or or whatever you know do it fucking slash style wear a top hat or something but yeah. just like look the part i want i i would get to that quicker uh hopefully okay <laughs> no i like that Dress for the job. I get basically it's yeah dad advice. Dress for the job you want. <laughs> no, that's great yeah. advice though, because and to, yeah, it's it's hard to um, it's hard for some people to do. Take yeah. it back to that toxic part of whatever you learn is cool or whatever right. or like is like oh man, I, how do you like theatrics? I think is basically what I'm saying. Very you know, much it's all yeah. theatrics and just like what you're saying with lights, it's like yes, lights. They you know. They set a tone. They make it so much better, you know? Totally. And there's a, I mean, yeah, like that's, there's a, something you, I wanted to touch on earlier and that like you were talking about with like the loops and you're just, if you were just a guy with a guitar five years ago trying to get mm -hmm. that crowd, it's like most people are not looking for a singer songwriter. Like you have to be there for it to want it. You yeah. know what I mean? Totally. And to not, Oh, it gets people like people just turn around and walk right out when they see Some that. people will do that so Solo quickly act, and, and you like, can't take that too personally no. because that's just, but, yeah. but also like, that's part of why I'm like just trying so hard to figure out how to have a band or how to yeah. figure something or how to like, I realized when I was in the subway, you know, the, the few, maybe two dozen times I did it. Mm -hmm. Um, I realized, oh, if I just had a harmonica around my neck and it was in the right key and I just blew on it yeah. every once in a while, uh -huh. people fucking so threw better. more money in my yeah. fucking guitar case. Yeah, that's how my my thing developed. I started guitar and harmonica and then I was getting nothing. And then I got the kick drum and then the tambourine. And then I was like doing kind of okay, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I got this little fucking diner, bing, foods up bell and put it down in between my feet and I just stopped and hit the bell and it was like 
talk about return on investment. This fucking thing, I stole it, so it was free, oh, and uh, you know, made me so much money. And it's like little kids would be like, they think they're they're like making you uh, irritated because you have to keep stopping the song. But uh-huh. each one's a dollar, and you're like, I'll do this all day. Bing, yeah, bing, you know, <laughs> you know how much money I get for like people. I, like I get less money when people used to buy my songs on <laughs> Apple Music or, or right. on iTunes. You know, yeah. yeah, which that was like the fucking glory days. Yeah, totally. You know, um, not to get into that because people <laughs> had enough of that so far. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, ringtones. Let's talk about ringtones. Oh my god, <laughs> those, those are the fucking glory days. <laughs> yeah, totally. Soldier boy had it all right. <laughs> yeah, we talk about that in this house like once a month for like the past six months. Well, all right. Um, <laughs> makes sense. Totally. Uh, I say totally a lot, especially when I'm stunned and mm. I'm on a microphone. Uh, I could totally see why that happened. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a couple more like solid, solid questions that. Um, that would, uh, you know, get us the essence of Carl. <laughs> oh, the essence? Oh, man. What's your... Can you tell me about your first tour? My first tour? Uh, yeah, it was going... Um, it was that Montana gig. Got off MySpace. I got an email on MySpace that was like, um, what would it take to get you to Montana? And I was like, is this some sort of scam? Because, you know, there were like a ton of scams on MySpace. Part of its demise and how you could see like each one of these social media things like. Oh, as soon as the scams know, start upping, yeah, the, the more the, I'm like, oh, Facebook's on its I way know. out. And like Instagram people are going to stop using here. Instagram. Um, but, you know, and so I'm like, is this a scam? And they're like, nope, just found your music. And, uh, you know, so I'm like, 600 bucks, <laughs> you know, and he said, yeah. And so there was a thing at the time, the Indie Venue Bible you get was a PDF mm-hmm. that was updated. And I got, I found some other place up there. I played at the... Um, Bull Moose Lodge in Alpine, Wyoming. Uh-huh. Check this out. You're going to love this. Okay, so I email with the place and get the gig. And they're like, we got a room for you, too. I'm like, yes. Play two nights, Friday and Saturday. Okay. Uh, start at 9 p.m. That's like a coveted gig. I've never played that. But like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it was great. But then, I knew some people from Salt Lake that used to play that gig. And I was like, fuck, I want to play that gig. Yeah, it was, so, it was fucking amazing. Yeah. But, I mean, I got there. And then it turns out it was too, it was too cold and like, the RV season was hadn't really started so there wasn't that many people there but i got an email the week before that was like hey we're moving your set up you know whatever six to whatever and i'm like okay that's fine and i go onto their website and i see it's like amateur pole dancing so the fucking gig i'm standing in front of the stripper pole playing my you know whatever clang 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 because i didn't have a drum loop or anything i was just doing whatever uh-huh. um my songs and harmonica and then i sat down and it was the only people there were, were there for the amateur pole dancing and then it was amateur pole dancing whatever we had drinks and stuff and uh i got to like stumble over to my room it was, it was so funny two nights it's hilarious and then i went to this gig in montana played this little festival and uh played a couple other gigs around and then came back and uh that was when i was living in st louis oh cool so and uh that's a, I mean Montana. God bless them. I probably said it on the show before. They like pay for music. <laughs> Montana, Wyoming, Idaho. Yeah. They like appreciate live music. It's and cool. They pay yeah. well for it, and that's. It just takes. If anyone ever wonders, like, why it's like Chuck, why are you out in right in Montana so often or twice uh-huh. a year? It's like because they're they, like, come back, please, come back. Yeah, they're just you great, know. and they pay well, and they mm-hmm. appreciate like they appreciate a, it, like yeah. I don't know. It's really cool, and uh, 
So God, God bless you, Montana. I'm not even <laughs> yeah, religious, but fucking God bless all but of you. But it's that just... so far, like driving, you're yeah. just like, you like have a hundred miles till your tank is empty, and you're like, shit, I gotta get gas. You know, you start to panic because uh-huh. you're like, there's just there's nothing. You know, like I come from Missouri, where it's like in the middle of nowhere, but that's like really some of those cities are really in the middle. at least the city Glasgow that I was playing. It's like up. In the top of Montana, in the center. And oh, it was really? Like, and really in the middle of nowhere. Cool. Up, like, north of, like, uh, Glacier National Park and whatnot. Yes. Kind of close to... Um... I don't know. In the middle. Oh, okay. It was, like, right in the middle. Not in the, like, mountains over... Oh, know, okay. Over, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. The part so of Montana that's, like, more, like, plains. Plains, like, yeah. yeah. Cool. Exactly. Um, so, but what got you to New York City? Um... My brother, I mean, physically, my brother drove me in a, my dad's pickup truck that was filled with shit. And then we, like, you know, took my stuff into the room. My buddy Drew was here, told me, to, you know, said I should come out. And then when I moved, um, we, like, unload all the shit. We fucking ran down across the William. We lived at Cypress and Flushing off the Jefferson stop mm-hmm. in this artist loft. And it was fucking amazing. It was just, like, so fun. Um, but the, uh, first day we like packed up all the shit and ran across the Williamsburg bridge, which was like a eight, a four mile, a eight mile run, a four mile, like out and back. Uh-huh. And then it's just like my, became my daily run. And I, that's when I really like that running took off too, you know? Cool. I, I could, I want to get into like all the running and stuff with you too. Uh, <laughs> It's not hard. You just fucking shuffle along. <laughs> yeah, well, my foot's actually feeling better than it has. And That's I'm like, good. okay, I think it's like actually going to... Uh-huh. Like, it's just about okay. pain management, taking yeah, care totally. of it, that sort of thing. Those but, things linger too, but you just learn to deal with it. Yeah, because you're just on your feet all the time. Like, It's like yeah. hard to avoid putting more strain on it day to day. Right. But, um, yeah. The... Uh, what I'm trying to think... <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's just like there's so many things I want to talk to you about and I um what's your relationship with like all of it now like or the road or like what's I mean what's the what aspect of it is like you, the young person chasing like you know the I don't know the uh the Dave Matthews band <laughs> biography and uh-huh. not limiting yourself and like what yeah. aspect is like is it a job and you got to pay the bills like, or like uh, you know what i mean like what what's your relationship with it all like and i think i i eventually morphed into figuring out that um if you want to do it a long time you have to like um like the storytelling i guess i started doing long form stories and shit uh-huh. and it's like you can do that forever and then you start to learn about people like ramblin jack elliot and uh utah phillips and Mm -hmm. people that just like that's what they did and you're like oh shit these guys are 90 years old and they just tell a fucking story you know Uh um and so that kind of like oh i could start i should try doing that and that's really hard to like practice because if it is a big rowdy crowd they don't listen to it and if it's a listening room um it's just hard to find those rooms you know yeah and those opportunities um but I'm always working on it. And so then I like started incorporating the solo, just trying to be a solo act, one guy, guitar, but doing the whatever loops and shit. Mm-hmm. Too. But, but just like the, you know, the solo performer just sitting there, single spotlight is kind of what I like, yeah. you know, 
my favorite chip, cheese pizza, you know, dough sauce and cheese, just like, that's it, you know? Um, and so... It's like uh, it's raw form in a way. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to tour that way because you put all the money in your pocket. You got one mouth to feed and all that mm-hmm. jazz, you know? Definitely. Um, and if you want, like, my relationship with the road is like, I think it's like two times a year I'm going to go on a tour mm-hmm. and it's, it's a major part of it for me. Yeah. Going, you know, spreading the, because the performance is the main thing. Yeah. For, for what I'm doing you know you, you you're addicted to getting on stage and getting yeah. in front of people the and performing and improvising like, music that mm-hmm. is you know it's just like whatever you get in the groove and you're all on the same plane it's like the same thing if people are laughing at your stories or mm-hmm. if they're just dancing and grooving to the music you're just all in the same groove and that's the, always the goal you know well and that's something I'd say about your performance like the first time I saw you play when we were in Cleveland together mm-hmm. and then like the time just now at low high is so many people's performance and I, and I try to not do this. Like it just feels like you're getting on stage, you're playing seven songs, you're getting off stage. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's something about that. That's like, yeah, that's professional in getting on stage and getting off stage. Right. But like when you're on stage, it's not seven songs. It's a fucking performance. Right. And that's a new thing that, cause I, like I said, limited myself. I'm a songwriter. I'm not a musician. I'm not a performer. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like, and now trying to break out of that. And, but in a way I'm comfortable with, I'm not like, I wish I could be like David Bowie and just like fucking go for it. I'm right. this person now. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like, you can do that. I, I can't. Mean, the option is always there. You know, and like maybe, who, who knows? Maybe right. I'll Chris Gaines myself one of these days. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah. Um, fuck, I just kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news in Bedford Stuyvesant. <laughs> um, Stoner has forgotten what was going on 10 seconds ago. Yeah, <laughs> shit, man. This is like an onion headline. <laughs> um, damn, what was I saying? I feel like I was getting to something kind of fun. Um, Sorry. No, it's you're good. It's not your fault. Uh, <laughs> I forget, too. Um, It'll come back. and Totally, it will. Well... You know, um, oh, what I was saying about your performance is that, like, you're so, like, you're, you feel like it's a performer and it feels like a performance and not like, like, and I mean that in like the genuine showbiz way, not like, you know what I mean? Not like it's like, like, not genuine. It feels Mm -hmm. like you're up there and like, I'm putting on a show, you know? And like, and I've probably told some of these jokes before. Yeah, yeah no, totally. I mean? And I'm like, going somewhere. and like, some people, like, I've been in bands with people that would like give me shit for that. Or I'd like my yeah. old band, the singer, we'd be like, dude, you need to engage with the crowd more. Not right. all the time, but like, at least like once or twice on stage. Right. Like, I just think about what I like when I go to a show. Mm-hmm. And when you, when there's the mood is set when you arrive, and then when the performers come out, and like I was saying, they look the part, you're like, okay, I'm in safe hands. And like, let's do this thing, totally. you know? And then it's like, you know, when it's not that, it's just like you could. I, I've just been to so many shows, you know, been doing this for such a long time mm-hmm. that it's like I know that that's the best for me route. Um, what I like the most, you know, totally. Well, and, and like I think back on the times I thought cynicism was cool, mm-hmm. and um, and like I kind of regret those moments in a lot of ways, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I remember hanging out with this dude who was like, he's an old friend, and like he, he's we're not super close now, but he was like early on, like played in a cool band and he mm-hmm. was like a cool dude that like 
kind of like inspired me to start a band and whatnot. And uh, and one time we were in Salt Lake City and his and like the band the the Blood Brothers were in town. And um and like I dug this sounds that, like a fucking tale. The yeah, Blood Brothers. The Blood town. Brothers. I, I dug that band a lot back then. Very and they're very much. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but like I, very I'm much not. like, like high pitched screaming, like okay. like dudes in, you know, this is fucking 2011, and it's like dudes in super tight pants and like tight shirts and just like being very effeminate, screaming very high pitched okay. and just like, you know, it's just like very seen. You know, like that yeah. MySpace scene. It's like. It's almost peak that. It's like the fucking Panic at the Disco that right. like couldn't make it on the radio, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh right. And like his band was on the same booking agent, so he got us on the list and we we're watching it and he's just like cynically like and these guys are like in their thirties still just like doing this shit. Like you know what I mean? And just like yeah. wearing the fucking makeup and like you know, and it's like I'm looking around, I'm like, This is it's fucking cool as fuck, <laughs> right. man. There's like 500 people uh, here and like and I fucking love this band but but I also kind of like let that affect right me and like my like you know what I mean in a way because I thought he was cool that like I don't know now I look back on it and I'm just like that's so fucking stupid don't don't be a cynic and I feel like there's yeah. we're kind of coming out of an age where it wasn't cool to try <laughs> yeah you know and and I just think I just hate that like rock and roll I stole this from a cracked article 10 years ago but rock and roll is 100% about not giving a fuck mm -hmm. but it's not about not trying those are two very different things okay yeah right on you know what I mean and like uh -huh. I fucking hate that whole like like I'm gonna Despondent. like oh you're putting you're putting effort into this well I'm I'm afraid to be vulnerable and put effort into this so I'm just gonna poo poo you or po whatever like Fuck you, make you feel like an asshole for trying. Yeah, yeah. I fucking hate that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, fuck that shit. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. I, I totally forgot what you were talking about. Like, <laughs> um, or just like putting on the performance and wearing, like, oh, like right, dressing the course. part. and uh, you know, I gotta, Everybody's got to make their art the way they want. I don't know. Like, I like it all. Yeah. I have a, I have a firm rule of never talk shit on the band when you're in the venue. You know what I mean? It's all positive talk about the bands. It, you know. Oh, if someone starts talking shit about people that are on stage and I'm with them, I'll walk away from that. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I yeah. may not like one because I don't usually talk when people are performing, mm -hmm. so I won't be like, "Yo, shut the fuck up." But I won't participate in that. Right. Yeah. Like, you want to talk shit about something? You do that outside the venue. Like that's. I know. Fuck you. Like that's right. so. That's fucking so vulnerable. Whether you think it's good or not, that's really difficult for that person to do. Right. And like at least like show some some yeah. sort of like Oh my god, that's empathy. why open mics are so hard because like you just have to be that for like so many people, you know. But that's why I don't do open mics. I like know. that's why I mean and I, that's like that's kind of a privilege type thing, but um but also I just Maybe you'd be bigger on Spotify. If, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd probably be bigger and, and have more connections in New York City if I was like down to do that more. But like, yeah, no, it's dude, because I toured a lot before I came to New York, and and like a lot of touring sometimes is like playing a different night with like a different band that like it's you just spend a lot of time just sitting there watching bands that like that aren't 
LCD sound system or Dave right. Matthews band. You know what I mean? And right. like, not that I am by any means, mm-hmm. but like when you're doing that like six nights a week for like three months, right? Sometimes it's like difficult. Like, and so for me to like go to some shows in New York City or to like go to open mics and stuff like that, it's not because I'm like a touring artist. I'm above it. It's just like, dude, I. I can't do that. Right. Like it's, it's like I, I'm just gonna it's choose. Hard. I'm gonna choose not to do that every single time. Yeah. When you do like when I do storytelling, um, you really can't get the timing of what it's like to t- tell pe- to tell people a story without audience there. You know what I mean? You can mm-hmm. do it in front of the mirror, but it's like it's not the same. You uh-huh. know, to, to learn the beats, to learn what is funny, what's not funny, or whatever it is. You know what we'll get a gasp and you're like, Oh shit. I didn't mm-hmm. think that would, you know, so open mics are like really helpful. Uh, Sorry. for me, no problem. Can Banjo come in or will you like, come on in. What's up dog? Hi, am I, we're at the end of the, end of the podcast. Oh so yeah. Let me tell you this LCD sound please, system okay. story. No, no, please, please tell me. This so story. it's like no. LCD sound system is going to play at Brooklyn steel. This is the, the open opening of Brooklyn steel. A okay. Couple years ago. Yeah. You know? And my buddy Drew, <laughs> always, every time I'm trying to tell a story. So, uh, Banjo. So I was uh, dog sitting my buddy Drew's dog, Dolly. He lived right by where Brooklyn Steel was. Mm-hmm. And so I was walking Dolly and I walked down by the venue or whatever. And I'm, it's like the hottest ticket in town. You know what I mean? LCD uh-huh. sound systems coming back totally. after whatever, 20 years, whatever it was, 10 years or something. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to try to get in. I have this, like, I try to get into shows, you know? And it's like, I link it back to the Goofy movie, you know? You ever yeah. seen the Goofy yeah. movie? Max gets into the show. They, like, sneak in in the stand-up bass thing or whatever, uh-huh. you know, in the guitar cases. So, like, to me, it's like, no show is sold out. I, I can get that, in the that show. MXPX song. Exactly. Going to a punk rock show. Yeah. We don't have no money to pay. We're, we'll get in anyway or something Right, like that. exactly. I love that ethos, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know, like, it caused a lot of bad shit in the 60s and maybe some deaths, but you know what I mean? I'm like, think I can get in, you know? Yeah. And so I, I go down, and I had, like, this yellow hoodie on with a leather jacket over it. And I go down, and I see the smoking area, and I'm like, LCD sound system. Again, biggest, hottest ticket in town, sold out. They're doing, like, a historic eight night run or something like that. Uh-huh. I go down by the smoke area. I'm like, maybe I can hop in with the smokers. And then I'm like, no, there's like some security guards walking. And I, I do a lap around and I come back to the front doors and I'm like, I'm just going to walk in, you know, the show's already going, uh-huh. you know, and I walk in and uh, I go through like the security and I put my arms up and just like right through security i'm like okay so then now on the next level it's tickets now the thing is security all had yellow on so i had like a yellow hoodie i maybe that's what it was so i go up to the guy and i'm like it's like ticket and i was like oh i don't got a ticket (laughs) they're like you don't have a ticket and i was like no but can i just like get in and this woman was like no and then this guy's like yeah you can go and i was like all right just fucking straight in through the front door and then it's fucking LCD sound system, you know, this huge disco ball. It was fucking amazing. Yeah, they have, they put on a show. Dude, it was so... I like I like their music, but seeing them live in that particular... I mean, it was like top concerts I've ever been to in my life. It was so good. It was so yeah. like electronic, but punk rock. I mean, it was like just tons of crowd surfing when I got in with this huge bright disco ball. It was like... Yeah, it was pretty cool. No, it's really, really cool. I danced I, myself clean. I'll tell yeah, you. That. <laughs> no, that's, that's <laughs> true. I, 
yeah, I I didn't know how much of their music I knew until I started. I did a little bit of work with them in December, uh-huh. and like that's I, so cool. And uh, and I was like filming their shows uh-huh. and like rewatching it, doing some editing, and like it just it, I don't know. It was just like every single song. I'm like, oh, I know this song. Right. I know this song. Yeah. I know this song. And I'd have to like look up what the name of it was or whatnot. Cause, right. But it's like yeah, because I was like I worked at Urban Outfitters in college because it was the only <laughs> job I could get when I moved yeah, yeah. to Salt Lake City. Ninety percent of the music was <laughs> was yeah. That's what they were playing was uh-huh. all LCD sound system. That's and funny. then all the parties I went to at that right. era or like. There was this club that we used to go to called the W Lounge that was like, I call it a club because it was like a dance club, but uh-huh. it was like kind of like in between a dive bar and just like, I don't okay. know, it was just a cool suit. And I'm, I've never been like much of a dancer, but, right. you know, and so it's just like, it was just like, oh, I know all of these songs, right? you totally. know, but I just never knew that I'd like knew that band. Right, right. You totally. know, they're so, so good. Yeah, they're great. Um. Not to yeah be all name droppy or whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you got to do on a podcast. Yeah, for sure. Two things you got to have: dog chewing on a bone and uh, <laughs> fucking name dropping. Name drops. Smoking weed and name dropping. Oh, <laughs> I I really want to. Um, well, I want to tell everyone listening to um, try and catch a Carl and Banks show. Four twenty at the Rockwood Music Hall. Four twenty. Uh, yeah, April twenty. It's gonna Hall. be the tour kickoff and uh, yeah. Fucking a yeah, go to four twenty Rockwood Music Hall. If you just because I I just want to say like everybody needs to hear the story of how you met Willie Nelson. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree <laughs> because because it's just one of my favorite things ever. Uh, right place at the right time. You yeah, know? show business. Yeah, show business. That's what so much of it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. This has been awesome. Sorry that yeah, we're just some stoned rambling and some angry uh, <laughs> Spotify. <Soapbox> bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, I try not to be too censored when it comes to that stuff. I try not to, like, complain too much, but it's but also, like... you got to talk about what's really happening, and that's what it is. Yeah, that's and it's, not... like, I mean, it's it's purely, like, it's exploitation <clears throat> on some level. Yeah, you know what sure. I mean? And, like, what it really comes down to is people need to pay more money for music. Yeah, exactly. You know, and nobody wants to fucking do that. Right. Convenience. So, so like, but the best way to do it is to like listen to podcasts that musicians are on or host or right. buy their records. Where can people buy your merch online? Um, on carlmbanks.com. carlmbanks.com. That's I put the M on it. So I had a meeting with my publicist, mm-hmm. and uh, I was they were telling me like I should put the M on it because Carl Banks was a New York football giant great, and he's on the radio and stuff. So I started putting the M on it. But the thing is that my publicist is just me. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure that motherfucker doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, but we're doing it now. The whole team is. So carlmbanks.com. Uh, Love it. Yeah. Get yourself some merch. Uh, catch a Carl M. Banks show when you can. You're about to hit the road for a few weeks. Yeah. Four playing weeks. mostly the East Coast. All East Coast. We're going down US 1. From um, Fort Kent, Maine to Key West, Florida. Um, on US 1. And you're doing a run when you yeah. get there? 100 mile foot race from Key Largo to Key West. So. Key Largo. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Torture. That's that's awesome. Well, I'd love to you know, maybe have you on talk about it when you're back. I would uh, love to do that. Try yeah. and film stuff. I'd love to see what's going on. And I For still... Sure. There's, Carl has told me about the existence of some, some footage from a show back in the day that, yeah. that uh, I don't know... Uh, that I really want to see and see about putting together. Yeah, let's do it. 
Yeah. That'd cool. be cool, man. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thanks so much for coming yeah, on here, dude. We broke new ground here today. We I really did. It. We always do. <laughs> With our orange seltzers. We always do here at Dirtbag's Guide to Life on dude, the Road. It's such a treat to be on. Thanks for having me. It's great. This is awesome. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, check us out on the internet. I'm going to be on the road here next week. Um, we're playing all over the place. I'm going to say, I think I just said it at the beginning of the podcast because I'm going to record that intro. And I'm going to say that in the intro. So thanks for listening. Uh, tell your friends about Carl's music. Tell Don't drink and drive. Music. Don't drink and drive. Listen to Carl's podcast. Yeah, first, last, best, worst, uh, wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify. But we're on SoundCloud, too. So visit us on SoundCloud. Yeah. We're pro. We, we pay for the pro account over there. Like so. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. They keep trying to get me to sign up. I should do that. One more thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another thing for me to forget my password. Reverb Nation's gonna make it up. Tumblr, Tumblr was a big one. I thought.